<laughs> Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clear Skies, our Star Trek live play RPG here on Q Times. Um, you are joining us at a pretty auspicious moment because we have some big announcements to do tonight. Um, you'll notice that we are, uh, sadly, we are missing Ravity and we are missing Gina tonight. Um, stuff happens, and so we love them very much. They'll be back with us next week. Um, but tonight, they've got the night off, so we will make sure that their characters are tried in a court, uh, in a proper, fair court-martial trial after the destruction is wreaked upon the Changeling and all of the Changeling's allies. Um, we'll do it legally, but I maintain the argument I said before we went on air. It's fine. Okay, okay. Um, we're going to go ahead and start off, though, with um, our big announcement tonight. Uh, this has been something we've been building up to for a while, and uh, we've been, <laughs> to say that we've been flogging our guts out trying to figure out how to get this, um, how to get this up and running is a bit of an understatement. But without further ado, um, let me just go ahead and tell everybody that for the past six months, um, I have been supporting myself on a Patreon account called uh, the League of Whimsy. And the League of Whimsy has become a huge group of community members that have been supporting me personally. Um, we gather on my live streams every Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. And um, it's been a lot of fun. But as this group has evolved, we've been asking ourselves really big questions about how we can evolve and do better and do bigger things, essentially. It's always been at the first, uh, at the front of our minds ever since we evolved beyond our previous studio and became an independent uh, gaming company, uh, gaming group, I should say. Um, so what's happening with us is that essentially um, starting in July, the League of Whimsy Patreon is evolving into the Streampunks Patreon. And everyone who supports the League of Whimsy will now be supporting the entire group Streampunks, as we continue to start growing into a bigger and bigger and more self-sufficient uh, group, essentially. This will give us a lot of opportunities to start building a, a base to support some of the big things that we have planned, like t-shirts, patches, pins, all the stuff that we've always wanted to do, events. Um, and uh, you're going to notice a lot of really cool things happening in the League of Whimsy Discord as it transitions over into the Streampunks. Um, you're going to be seeing a lot of the Streampunks in our Discord interacting and probably watching your role play the way Ravity does, <laughs> which is gonna be great. There's gonna be a lot of questions, of course, about reward tiers and all the things that are changing. Um, we're gonna be answering those questions as time goes on, but I wanna go ahead and tell you guys right now that the Discord will remain a haven for role play. Um, we are still using that as a platform so that you, the supporters of the Streampunks, will be able to play alongside us through all the campaigns that we play. Not just Star Trek, but all of the great projects that we have been working on uh, over the past few months and that we have aspired and that we're, Xander and Sam and I are talking all the time about the games we want to run. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, well, not I shouldn't have included it. Sam wants to play that Sam gets really excited about when she <laughs> um, I, yeah, although I insist that if we ever did a reward tier that Sam runs a game, it would do wonders for us. Maybe we could guilt Sam into running a game for us. I don't think so, probably not. I don't Again. Again, yeah. I, I, I tried to convince them for this thing, this other thing that we're about to announce, and they were right. like, uh -uh. <laughs> do we actually want to yeah. tell them how we're going to go about launching Indeed. this whole thing? So to start a group the way we're trying to do, as you might have known if you've followed the journeys of other gaming groups, it takes a little bit of a foundation to be laid in order to you know, get the ship into orbit. <laughs> you've got to reach escape velocity, as it were. So 
one of the things that we've been trying to do is strategize how it is that we can get the stream punks up and moving as a collective unit and be able to initiate a lot of the cool shit that we've been wanting to do for a while now. And we are going to be throwing our first ever uh, stream punks fundraiser. It is, we, we can go ahead and reveal the lineup. It's gonna be taking place on June 28th at starting at 9 a.m. and going until 3 p.m. And we will be running games. I'm really excited by the fact that we've got Gina DeVivo has agreed to do a Gina's Crafting Corner. Oh man, I'm so excited about that. We're getting some good friends coming back. I'm gonna be running Age of Rebellion at 9 a.m. Um, then of course, we've got Xander after Gina's Crafting Corner. We've got Xander's gonna be running Elisa Pearl, Becca Scott's. Um, you, let me just say this, Sander, I am deeply, deeply, deeply jealous of everyone who's <laughs> playing in your Star Trek game. <laughs> and I demand that you run Star Trek for me at some point. Okay, okay. But okay. I'm jealous I don't get to play with these people because it's an amazing lineup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Abrea Iyengar, Elisa Pearl, and then I, I do a Star Trek Next Generation rewatch podcast with Becca Scott and Jake Michaels. So they're going to be joining as cadets as well. Or, We'll see where they end up, whether it's cadets or ensigns, but it's going to be oh. a next generation era game. With That's so cool. Jake, um, a lot of y'all might not know, Jake Michaels is an old GNS alumni. Um, we've worked, Sam and I have worked with him personally. He's done a it's lot of stuff. That old. It's fine. Uh, what's that? I, believe, I believe that he has and for uh, has for a long time been the producer for how to play and um, yes. all of that stuff, game the game. Mm -hmm. Sam and I worked with him on uh, Carnival Row. Um, he was he was right. the director of Carnival Row, so that was a lot of fun. We got to work with him on that, which got nominated for a, uh, a streamy, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then, of course, at 2.30, we're going to have the wrap-up with Bonnie and, of course, the illustrious Aki. And that's going to be our fundraiser for the 28th, so it's coming up pretty soon. I can go ahead and tell you that my Age of Rebellion game is going to follow a, an elite unit that has been... It's one of, the, one of the few units of Rebels that have actually survived through all the major battles of the Rebellion. We're now going to be taking place in the later years. This is just about a year before Return of the Jedi, and that's all I'm going to say. Um, I haven't played uh, FFG together, uh, Star Wars FFG, since the first game you and I ever played right. together, have we? Yeah, on Pit Crew back in GNS. Can you that talk was, about that was your the first, What's that? About who's playing the game with you? Yes, who caused, who, what cast was so good that I lost all composure and asked to be put on it, even though it should have been a smaller group, and I said to them, Yes. Uh, when Sam found out I was running Star Wars, Sam was like, okay, I'm, be I'm in your game. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're in my game. Um, yeah, it's going to be great to get back to Star Wars. I, I love that game. And we had a lot of fun running it three and a half years ago when Sam and I first came together. <laughs> and and it's a completely non-overlapping set because now we're playing with Rave and Jody and B-Dave and Hector. Yeah. Which is and... just such a good lineup for Star Wars. Fun the fact too. Person who actually wrote, like, who went to war with the stars. Yeah, Jody. We got an actual. And I also want to say real quick, uh, just as a fun fact, that that Star Wars game was the very first time I ever met and played with Amy Dallin. So, going back to the roots, y'all. Going back to the roots. I'm so excited. Um, and uh, just a, a little additional teaser for you. There isn't much that's being said about what Bonnie and I are going to be doing to our little hosting thing, but you guys should be super excited about it because I believe it will bring great honor to your houses. <laughs> um, oh, yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. So this, and of course, if y'all haven't heard, we have the Day of Honor coming up. 
Um, the more details of that are on Motifius and on uh, the Star Trek Online Twitter page. They have uh, blogs up for that, so definitely check that out. That's going to be detailing an event with our Klingon crew, who is also part of the Streampunks family. But um, this is what we've got planned, y'all. On June the 28th, we are going to cast the die. And the Streampunks, we're going to try to make our imprint now in a major way. And we, we're just asking for um, your support to come in and help us get it done. So thank you so much for everything that you've helped us achieve so far. Clear Skies, it, it's, it's, it's stunning to say this, as, big of, as, as, as much of a success as the Clear Skies has been, even in the circumstances in which we find ourselves, um, it couldn't happen without any of y'all. It's amazing how far we've come and that we have the opportunity to make this attempt to really aim for the sky like this. It's all because of y'all. So, um, so uh, stay tuned for more information coming in. If you have any questions, of course, our mods are wonderful. And I want to give a big shout out to the elder mods before we move forward um, to Chandra and Callisto and Az and Mitch and Kato and Librarian Liz. Um, am I forgetting anybody? Because I've got my head. Uh, special cool. shout out to our Q Times mods as well, Jay Penrose and uh, yes, Not Always Week, who are constantly tanking for us um, and are part of the bigger Q Times team. And we also need to shout out Q Times and especially Jake for Jake. constantly giving us a platform on which we feel supported and uh, have room to grow. So thank you so much to all of them. Jake, are you there? Are you there right now, Jake? Are I'm not there? crying. Stop it. Okay, good. Just checking. All right. <laughs> so, um, thank you all so much. Um, we're going to be we're, we're aiming high, and we're really looking forward to this. So we'll we'll be answering a lot of questions coming forward, and there'll be a post about this um, on my Patreon that's scheduled to go up in, a, in just a few minutes, actually. So, um, thank you again. Uh, before we move forward, does anybody have any other announcements? that they would like to share with us this evening. I mean, I don't even know why. I should immediately just be like, and before we get started, Bonnie, what would you like to announce tonight? <laughs> I was just doing my dancing fingers. You don't have any announcements? Um, if you look on my socials, I just released a new music video that's mad themed, uh, the Madness Medley, where I am the Mad Hatter, the March Hare, and the Dormouse singing a medley of songs about Maybe being in quarantine too long. I don't know. Uh, you should go check it out. <laughs> and I got some other stuff, but I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, Denver by Night, Wednesday. Um, Wednesday's on Q Times, 5 to 7. I should remember that. And then other things that I'm sure I'll think of later. Look at <laughs> social stuff. Other things that I'll think of later. Other things um, that I'll think of to say later. So, um, uh, yeah, what's up, Aki? What you got? Uh, Tuesday is getting even more special than just your usual morning people and Akitagis and tea on Tuesdays because immediately following both Sam's stream and my stream, your very own Elder Mod librarian Liz will be hosting her very first stream as an affiliate on her channel at twitch.tv slash librarian Liz. She's going to kill me. I don't care. Please go and support one of our Elder Mods who is doing her best to help spread education through literacy and poetry um, and is just all around a wonderful person. We're all very proud of her and all the hard work she's done on her channel. Um, and we want to see her uh, thrive uh, on this platform. So yeah, uh, it's a full day of Streampunk's energy. Where's... She still has founder badges available, y'all. She does, we're and that's not happening. We're gonna fix it. We're gonna fix it real soon. Fix <laughs> it with us and watch the flush just melt, just puddle just really beautiful, really well-read poetry and a lovely charismatic streamer who is also a part of our family. Mm -hmm. We take care of our own over here. That's what we do. 
is true. But we should flush um, monstering them until their destruction. Aha. Uh, but yes, uh, Tuesday, starting from 8 and going all the way until, I believe, what would be 11.30 Pacific time. It's three different streams, all back to back. We're all going to be raiding each other. So uh, yeah, that's how that's going to go. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I believe there are a bunch of other things going on. But for now, I'm just going to focus on tomorrow. So. Cool. Cool beans. Anybody else have any other announcements for the evening? Uh, yes, uh, Sam. Yes, I do actually have a for real just <laughs> announcement. This does occasionally happen, a co-announcement along with Aki, that this weekend after the fundraiser, if you haven't gotten enough, and I just can't get enough, and I just can't get enough, then you can in fact have more because Aki and I will be returning to New Pantheon on Saving Throw. It is the Demigods powered by the Apocalypse RPG that we've been playing and season three is coming back. Uh, all of the previous episodes are available on Saving Throw Show's YouTube, but you can also see what is coming. I'm really excited about it. That will be Saving Throw, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. PDT. And if you if that wasn't enough to excite you, our very first episode is actually a special one-shot GM'd by Abria Iyengar, and the title of the episode is Attack and Dethrone God. It pitches <laughs> itself. It's a top-heavy show today. We got a lot of announcements, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, all right. Anybody else? Xander, do you have nothing? Do you really have nothing? Oh, well, the fundraiser is coming up on Sunday. Yes, yeah, Sunday's the fundraiser. <laughs> All right. Um, unless there's anything else, are we ready to? Yes, yeah, Sam. Yes. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. No, because Sam, once the crew discovers you're the changeling, there's going to be yeah, that's a, problem. Total shift, a total shift. But look, we always knew, like, that's completely within, like, the umbrella of my gender. Yeah, but it's it's just, can, and, and I want to speak to you a little bit later about you constantly shape-shifting into an umbrella. That, because I mean, I am also additionally a changeling. Do we have two? Actually, we have three changelings on this ship. Oh, shit, because Exio is also a changeling. No. Oh. 
I All think that right. makes four as Eric is about to recap us into. Let's uh-huh. go ahead and recap into this. So, in our previous episode, some pretty big revelations got made. <laughs> the biggest one being that, as it turns out, the changeling that they have been attempting to help has been attempting to play both sides, which, yeah, that sounds about right. Lee the changeling who has made their base here on this planet that is now essentially a pirate haven for uh, what is left of the Orion Crime Syndicate, has been engaging for the past few years in what would seem to be a, a, a war between two factions. And was under the impression that they were getting away with that puppeteering act, I guess you might say. But the truth of the matter is, is they underestimated one of their lieutenants, Taraz, an Orion crime lord and smuggler who has done nothing but shown affection and loyalty towards Lee and credited Lee for liberating him and other Orions, giving them space to grow and and stake out their own destinies, as it were. But in our previous episode, Lee started revealing some character traits about herself that were slightly questionable. Specifically, how flippant she was with murdering a Vorta, which was the first sign that something was a little off. But to jump right into the game tonight, where we left off was after one of the allies to this group, one Sprack, a former Daemon and a Ferengi, slipped a data rod to Ambassador Olin Majanil in Tin Forward. The data rod revealed something astonishing that apparently Taraz, in his state of, well, it's not paranoia if it's true, as one Commander Rue might once say, Taraz captured footage of this changeling in the act of shape-shifting from the supposed rival gang leader into Lee's allied gang leader persona, catching them in the act and revealing that they were actually the puppet master playing both sides. Now, the fact that Taraz snuck this on board and did it through Sprack would indicate that he's asking for help that it is some kind of call for help to have done it so subtly and so quietly. We pick up tonight's game shortly after this data had been decrypted by Exio. Now, in the room right now, if you remember correctly, we are currently on the promenade, and in the room is Ambassador Marjanil, Exio, and I believe LeCat was with you guys too. Is that correct? So, yes. Okay, so at this moment... The, the, the three of you are staring gobsmacked at the screen as you're watching the shapeshift happen. Now, outside this room is the beautiful vista of the promenade, which is currently open for a diplomatic negotiation between the Vorda, the Changeling, and Captain Sull. Um, that conversation was just happening just down the way. Um, the Vorda has since been escorted out of this meeting and leaving the meeting to just the Jim Hadar, the Changeling, and Captain Sol and the security team. Um, 
while this is going on, you guys are on the other side of, essentially on the other side of the saucer section. So a good a good jog away on, on the promenade in your ambassador's quarters. And there is a silence that has fallen upon the three of you after watching this footage. I'm gonna grab my notes real quick because I just left them off screen. So go ahead and begin. I have no one to play with if you're not here, Eric. <laughs> I am all alone in this room unless I try to do the cat. I can be a murder cat. <laughs> Eric, you do realize that I am playing with only myself, and that is not exactly how I meant for that to sound, but I don't have anyone to play opposite with if you leave me. I'm going to assume that you're not... Can you not see me? I'm back. No, I'm no, back. I, I can't. I was just saying that, like, you oh, said, oh, oh. I was like, I have no one to play with if you're not here because Wait. I have Gina or Ravity. The power. Okay, That's true. I'm both Gina start. and Ravity tonight. I am both a cat and Ecclesia tonight. So, have, have fun. <laughs> so, uh, so the silence has fallen on this room. The three of you are sitting in front of this desk. And as the recording ends, Exio, the look on Exio's face, what you get from, from Exio, Olin, is that especially in the past six hours, Exio has been exhibiting emotional responses that are a little more that are a little more intense than you're used to seeing from her. She's quite measured, quite cool, but the the past six hours have really been pressing some buttons. Ever since she's had contact specifically with Lee, you've you've gotten a sense, not literally, obviously, empathically, but you've gotten a sense from looking at her that she's been a little on edge. And as she's finished watching this footage, you see this expression fall over her face that almost looks like resignation and determination as she leans back. And what Kat, in the silence, just goes, yep. I think we all suspected that our changeling was possibly Canal, but to find out that they are playing both sides is a level of devious that I guess can only really be attributed specifically to changelings if you're willing to believe the stereotype. Problem is, is that we now have to figure out how to get Sol on board with this without completely tipping our hand, because I believe that Sol would be pretty upset if we did that. Exio slides the chair back and stands up and looks at you, Ambassador, and then glances down at the cat and says, this changeling isn't the only one that has a poker face. Are you I'm going to go... I'm going to go take over for Captain Sol. I'm going to cover for them. I need the two of you to brief the captain on what we just saw. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. Olin, looking at looking at her, you, you it's 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 one of those instances where, as somebody who's empathic. It's always been, it's always taken some getting used to to stare at Exio and not sense what she's feeling. And right now, she is completely neutral. I think that worries Olin more than they want to admit. Considering, that, considering <laughs> that, that more often than not, Exio is actually very open with how they feel. Do you understand your orders? And she glances down to the cat, and the cat just says, "What do you want me to do?" 
I... stay here and help brief the captain. I'm going to go pull Cap Captain Sol out of the meeting and take over. Captain Sol will know what to do after that. I'll buy us time. We can't tip our hand that we know what we just saw. Understood, Commander. And then you see something that's mildly disturbing. Exio hesitates for a second, and then you just see her go. And she walks out the door. She immediately, in a way that probably only a changeling could do, you see basically this expression shift on her face that exudes peace, calm. Nothing has disturbed her. She's fine. And she walks out the door with confidence. And Lacat just slowly glances up to you. No comment. You know, Chief Tech is on this deck too. Should we let him know? I think that we should allow Tech to have the space that he needs, but he is probably going to be integral to whatever it is that we do next. Because I think I have an idea, but I need to run it by the captain first. And you're probably going to need to help him. Are you all right? Her eyes dart and look at you for a split second. And for a moment, you feel like you've caught the Cardassian in a brief instant of feeling like you saw her thoughts for a split second. Um, why don't you go ahead and let's do an insight command roll, Olin. Mm -hmm. And your empathy is going to enhance this, so I'll set the difficulty at one. Cool. I rolled a complication. Excellent. Yep. I'm banking. But I also rolled a critical success, so that's two successes and a, and a complication. I'm banking that threat. Okay. Um, we have one momentum now. One momentum. Why? For a brief second before she became a little more guarded. Actually, hold on. None of my focuses play into this, so it's not a critical success. It's actually just one. Okay, so rolled, no moment. I rolled it too. Thank no you, thank you, thank you. Um, for a brief instant, you sensed eagerness from the cat. Like now, suddenly, there's a possibility that she can do something about these Dominion bastards on board her ship. It's it's brief. And she puts it away when you notice that she, you're when she when you ask her if she's okay. You see her. You can you can almost visibly see her put it away, like a Starfleet officer would. But it's there. I think Olin doesn't say anything to that, uh, but in their mind they think, "Yeah, I get it." <laughs> Especially because Olin, you were on the ground with Lacat before her journey into Starfleet began. So no one on this ship understands the way you do. Um, and I, to her credit, she composes herself. Uh, is there a replicator in the room? Yes. I go over to make tea for us. Okay. And so we're, we're, gonna gonna cut. we're gonna wait for Saul. Okay. So we'll cut to in mid conversation. Um, as you're having a chat with this changeling, 
what you're getting from Lee, Saul, is that um, you're not 100% sure you know who you're talking to at this point. You, you had a pretty good sense of who was coming on board your ship and what their wants and needs were, but in the course of the conversation, you're starting to feel a little more and more like this is somebody who is playing the game a little bit. And right at about that settling in, you feel the presence of Exio behind you as she approaches and comes to a stop and says, Captain, I'm so sorry for storming you off the way I did just a moment ago. And Lee, I just wanted to personally apologize to you. I, I think I overreacted. I didn't take into account everything you've probably had to go through ever since making some of the decisions that you've had to make. And I have to admit that I don't fully understand your relationship with the Forda. It's new to me. And I shouldn't have passed judgment, and I apologize. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you this, Sol, because you know Exio. Oh, I know when something smells like rat. Yeah. You know Exio. Yes, and I Exio trust her instincts implicitly, yeah. and... I know I was there when Lee talked to her mm -hmm. like that. Honestly, it's half the reason I know Lee is some flavor of shady. However, um, how does Lee react? So I'm actually going to roll for Exio right now, um, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out. This is going to be an intense roll because I am not going to. Uh, I will tell you, let me pull up her character sheet. Exio is not to be messed with on this. Let's see how she does. So this is going to be, I'm going to set this as a contested role, but if I know Gina, she might actually want to call upon a value. Because if there is nothing, if Gina likes to use values, that's, let's see. Um, I agree. I might... I might argue that she would call upon the quickest way is a straight line or trust people, not what they say. I think I trust like, people, not what they say. This whole meta aspect of Eric role-playing Gina asking questions to the GM and Eric shooting them down anyway. <laughs> right, I mean, like, is this really a value that applies here, Gina, who also isn't? And I'm sitting here thinking, like, is this what Gina would do? This is very early to spend a point of determination and it's an acceptable role to fail, um, especially yeah. given how dire the situation is. Um, so, I'm making, so I'll go ahead and give you this. I'm making this decision on the fact that Gina knows that this changeling is a master manipulator mm -hmm. and therefore is probably a master at reading people. And Gina, Gina in the previous scene had an emotional outburst mm -hmm. and is now having to climb back from that and needs to make damn sure that Saul is pulled away from this meeting and sees that footage immediately without giving up that something is amiss or the game is called. With those three items in mind, I have predicted that Gina would probably want to call upon a value or Exio would call upon a value here. Um, I'm actually looking at the wrong character sheet. I'm looking at her, <laughs> I'm looking at her Vulcan Invar <laughs> from our her time traveling kid. <laughs> That's so funny. Let me scroll down here. Okay, here we go. Um, okay. Ooh, this is even better. Okay, one sec. 
I was looking at her Vulcan. That's so funny. What's up? I was going to say that it was weird that that Axio had the quickest way is a straight line as a value. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For a split second, too, I was like, huh. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Right. I mean, you just outed her value. Yeah. Yeah. And besides, with the curvature of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's see here. Let me just pull this up. Though in all fairness, I do believe Envard called on that particular value during our game. I think so. I, I think... Uh... One sec. Let's see here. Okay. notes okay let's see um I don't want to call upon this I don't know I feel like Gina would do this though <laughs> it is it is sort of a thing to yeah let's you know what her scores are actually pretty good and you guys don't have any momentum though right no if we did I could uh, give her some of okay. my stats on collaboration. So, here's what I'm going to do before I make this roll. Let's let's do this. Ah, thank you. Let's do this. Um, I'll give you the group the choice. We can have Gina. We can have Exio either call upon. Um, we can have Exio either call upon a value and spend a determination here, or. We can have you guys award me threat for a momentum spend for that extra die. What would you, the group, prefer since I'm NPCing a PC right now? I feel like we should do the option that gives us the most momentum, considering we'll probably need it later. But I don't think that we need to give Eric threat in order to succeed at this role unless he's, he's about to crank the difficulty super high. Right, which would in turn be an expenditure of threat of the more to use determination plus the dice uh, does maximize our potential momentum as Bonnie brings up. So please please keep in mind the difficulty is not what you're fighting. You're fighting a contested role with the changeling's insight. The difficulty is is one, but you're fighting the changeling on this. This is a contest. And I think the determination is probably our play here. I don't like giving him threat. There's a changeling and two Jem'Hadar in the room with me. <laughs> Let's not and say we did. Okay, so we're gonna burn a determination. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, trust your expertise. We're gonna do that. Um, okay. Trust your expertise. Roll here versus the changeling. This is the first time since we've started playing Star Trek together. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get one automatic success. She's burning the determination, trust your expertise. Um, this is gonna be, oh, Exio does not fuck around. Um, let's see, two and, all right, I'm gonna roll for her. Let's see how she does. This is gonna be a presence command check. Adaptable personality focus? Um, yes, absolutely, 100%. Well, she rolls a nine and a one. So that's so. a total of five with the two from the determination. 
All right. So I'm going to roll for our changeling now. I'm going to spend threat to give myself an extra die. Thank you so much for that complication. Here we go. Ooh, I also rolled a one. But I also rolled a 16 and a 10. So let's see. How many successes for Gina? Five? And they tie. Tie goes to the active. Yep. Hey, Gina. There's this moment between the two of them where Lee is staring at Exio for a second. The moment lasts maybe, maybe almost two seconds. It's that border between where things might be awkward, but short enough where you dismiss it. That threshold where you're not sure if something is happening or someone is being read, someone has forgotten what they're gonna say next. It's just long enough, but to Exio and this changeling, it's a second and a half of warfare between the two of them. Exio with a bright look on her face, contrition in her eyes as she kind of dips her head in apology to the changeling. And Lee looking at her quite critically, also with a gentle smile on her face. Nobody else in the room would know that these two masters are fighting with each other right now. But after a second passes, Lisa leans back and says, I understand, Exio, I understand. There's a lot that, prof- that Dr. Redgrave built into your programming that's probably still taking hold. And I imagine that's taking some getting used to, even now. The smile doesn't change on Exio's face. And she looks down at you and says, Captain, um, the ambassador would like to speak to you um, regarding the Vorta and limiting his access to the ship while no longer engaged in diplomatic negotiations. May I take over for you here? Yes. Uh, You'll pardon me. I hope you'll be able to brief the commander with what you know before we stage our assault on Knoll. I think that should be acceptable. Yes. I will follow up shortly, I'm sure. Thank you, Commander. First, the first Jimadar stiffens a little bit and says, yes, Founder. Please accompany the Captain. If there's going to be anything happening with the Vorta, I think it's imperative that one of our people be there to make sure that the Dominion is represented and that he doesn't cause trouble for our host. As you command, Founder. I'm afraid you mistake our meaning we need to speak first among the staff before oh, I we see. Ha- make any kind of determination. Well, then that would not be very polite. First, you'll remain here. Yes, Founder. I'll see um, you real quick, as you were walking away, yes. I need you to make an unusual role, but... I'm going to need you to make an insight command roll at a difficulty of five. All right. Why are you trying to burn through all of our determination at the beginning of the episode, Eric? Oh, the stakes are high on this one. Sam, take two die. Take spin momentum. We have it. We don't. We don't. He tied. Yeah. It we means tied. that I have none unless I give. Oh, him that's right. Yep. I thought because difficulty. This is why it is such a flipping problem. Um, 
does my insight focus apply here? My sense. What's the insight focus? Uh, sense motive, basically. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Spend the determination, give him threat or auto fail. Yep. Mm. Ah, being a captain. Indeed. I'll auto fail. Okay. You continue walking. Yep. Um All right. You I appro- need it more later. <laughs> you approach the office? as Exio takes the seat um, and crosses, leans back, and begins having a conversation. You start catching the tail, or rather the the beginning of this conversation as you're walking away um, of Exio saying, so I understand that this pirate king has quite the amount of weapons at his disposal. Yes, but I don't think that should be a problem. And you hear that fade away as you quickly walk towards the ambassadors, uh, the the suite where the ambassadors currently stationed. As you walk down one of these ramps, moving through the promenade, past these lush waterfalls and all the sound effects of the birds overhead, the stars over your head right now, as of course the doors to the saucer section are currently open. It's almost easy to forget in here, Captain Sull, it's almost easy to forget that right now you are being hunted by an invisible ship on a mission that the Federation has no business being on with a changeling from the Dominion not 200 feet away from you. It's almost enough to just have a moment to exhale and tell. At that particular moment, glancing up, you can see through these sliding glass windows with the Federation symbol on it sliding open and the ambassador stepping into the threshold looking at you as you approach with a look on their face that would indicate something has happened. Well. You're muted, Aki. <laughs> There's something you need to see, Captain. And you might want to sit down for this. Show me. Hi, uh, computer. Uh, please Play? Okay. That kind of Um, day, I agree, Ambassador. The data rod clicks, and you see the computer, the image on the computer screen. And as it starts to play, because in the beginning, of course, there is sort of what looks like this sort of coding effect that's taking place as it's reading. But as it's reading up, LaCat says, this was given to us by Sprack in 10 Forward. Apparently, Taraz slipped it to him before he came on board the ship. And then he turned it over to me. Said Taraz gave him specific instructions to put it in the hands of the ambassador. Check it out. You watch as the scene plays out, as you see Kanal enter what apparently is the hideout of the Orion uh, refugees. The faction that Taraz is currently heading up to overtake this pirate haven. You watch as this pirate king from this Cation-like 
appearance, the, the cousin to the Cation race, calling himself multiple things, currently calling himself a Frisian. Bonnie, what are they actually called? Would you like to inform us? You have the Sorry. name? What is the name of the actual cousin race of the of the Cations? Kazinti. Kazinti. Because Bonnie did her research. Um, you watch this heavily armored, like, weapon, like a bandolier across the chest, standing close to seven feet tall, this, like, wired legs, this creature looking fit for combat with claws, a scarred face, ferocious looking, stepping into the heart of this haven and you see the unmistakable light shining through what looks like an amber mold as this creature shifts down into an Orion woman and gently takes a very graceful seat and in total shift of personality, a complete shift of personality as she takes seat at the edge of this pool where the water is trickling down from the rock face. And about three minutes later, after she's going through some data pads, she adjusts herself and you see an Orion child enter into the screen. And she sits this Orion child on her lap and starts talking to it and then it cuts off. In trend, it ends recording. <laughs> so we can, we can go to the break now, right? Is what LaCat says immediately. <laughs> no, this is in no way dispositive of anything. We have no hard evidence of any crime. Shapeshifting is not a crime, and we don't have anything documentary on Canal at all. We throw her in the brig. It's a diplomatic incident with the Dominion for the poor ambassador here. So then what shall we do, Captain? Because it's obviously that Lee's playing, or at least thinks she's playing all of us. Oh, no, she certainly is playing us. So how do we play it back? Either we have a whole chain of evidence that she, as Canal, committed crimes, but then you have to account for an alibi for Canal, or find his body or something, or... Are we running under the assumption that there is a real Canal out there? Without evidence one way or the other, if we tried to take any action, she or the Dominion as the whole could always make that argument. Any crime we found of Canal's, her defense would be, no, that was the real Canal. We'd have to either find his body, find more evidence than this, or catch her in the commission of a crime. What am I getting off of Soul right now? Uh, resignation. Captain. Ambassador. Why does she want us to fight Kano right now? That's the meeting that I was just pulled out of. Good work. She doesn't really gain anything, uh buy it other than to potentially give herself a means of escape right but she has that right now she could easily just turn around and ask us to take her away but she's not she's asking us to go after Canal. 
So depending on what plan she has, I think we can take a reasonable estimate of what her quarry might be. You'll have to fill me in a little bit more than that, Captain. If we're going to fight her, we're going to need every advantage we could get. And this may well turn into a fight. Trying to take her into custody will be a fight. Well, I think I can help with that. Really? And, uh, Olin just sort of looks in Lacat's direction. I'm not aware of how much you might know about this particular piece of technology, but there is a way to contain changelings that is fairly uh, non-invasive and extremely effective, though its long-term consequences can be unfortunate. It has to be used with a specific amount of care, and it was developed by the Cardassians. Uh, Eric, would Saul know about the Obsidian Order uh, Changeling technology? With your time in Starfleet Intelligence, you were stationed specifically on the frontier of the Orion Crime Syndicate. Yeah, it's it's kind of marginal. It's not really direct interaction, but it's in the neighborhood. But here's the thing. Your task during your time in the Orion Crime Syndicate was to root out Dominion involvement. Yeah. So there's a 50-50 chance that you would have the intelligence. Would you like me to do a reason command with my uh, intelligence focus? Let me think about that, because normally this would be a momentum spend, but... If we don't have it, then I don't have it. That's perfectly fine. I but just I, want to know if I know. It's no big deal. I, f I think, honestly, it, I don't think it's a stretch six years after the Dominion War and after your service to have come into the knowledge of what the Obsidian Order had at its disposal post-Dominion War. You probably, during your debrief and your time in Starfleet Intelligence, I don't think it's a stretch to say that that's information you've come across. Specifically after you learned that a changeling was what was responsible for splitting up and infiltrating these crime syndicates. So, on this instance, as a storyteller, I'm going to stretch it and say, I think it's very likely that Saul would have at least heard about this. I think I'm familiar with what you're suggesting, Ambassador, but the rumors I always had were genuine about their safety. That wasn't exactly a concern for the institution in question. No, but... Obviously, on my time on Cardassia Prime, working with their diplomats and getting a fair bit of insight, I do believe that with the right person or the right people spearheading a refabrication of such a device, we could figure out a way to make it a little less inhumane. How's Jane reacting? 
she is she looks contained um you do catch the occasional jaw clench but clench but she is contained she doesn't you you're getting you're getting a sense of like you're, you're getting a sense of like something is definitely built under the surface yeah I can I can tell what's going on there. I'm just gonna right over here. <laughs> Jane's, Jane's not interested in a compassionate solution, is no, what I you're know. getting. I know, um, but um, I believe that once we've given Tech some time to decompress from his counseling session, uh, he and Jane might be perfect to take care of this situation. <laughs> All right. Yes, if we can get it done with any kind of reasonable safety parameters, we cannot harm her. Understood, Captain. I'm just fuzzy on the subject to many caps and all that, but not with. Do changelings have no traps, Captain? Not by the time we're done. <sighs> all right. In the I'll meantime, see. is there anything I you would like me specifically to do for the time being? Any? I do have that peel off of those Jem'Hadar. If we're going to take her into custody, they would die before they let her. Sounds she like would order them. you need to have a prowl, not me. If you can find some sort of diplomatic mechanism, your own words, anything, this is going to be bad enough. I'm not entirely sure I can help with the Jem'Hadas specifically, but I did have a meeting set up with the Klingon Romulan ambassador. There are ways I can at least tip them off to specific things without causing too much of a kerfuffle for either of us. There are a few things they probably should know about if they don't already. Uh, tread lightly. I know no other way to tread, Captain. All right. Well, let's see what kind of advantages we can build because... Oh. It's one hell of a day. Has it only been a day, Captain? Now, I have to find out what Lee is planning. Thank you. Please be careful. I don't know the finer details of your relationship with this particular changeling, but be careful. You're a very good ambassador. You're a very good captain. I'd like to keep you. Take care. Contact me when you have something for me. Of course. <sighs> cool. All right. All right. So as you're heading back, I would like to cut to another scene that's actually happening on the promenade right now. Um, Tech, you are currently seated among crew members of the USS Ross. Many of them are, you can tell, it's a, it's a wide array of 
of crew from all over the ship, different departments, different races. This is actually also a part of what would appear to be a regular meeting group, a group that kind of meets regularly to support each other. And uh, they all seem pretty familiar with themselves. They've also welcomed you with open arms. Everyone's kind of talking a little bit about their stories. The, the subject today specifically is how people are dealing with the presence of the Dominion on board the ship. Because apparently some folks have come up, some folks have got some feelings about this. <laughs> um, currently sitting at the, just finished talking, a crew member to your left, a con officer, an ensign, Join Trill, named Joran Zem, has finished talking a little bit about some of the anxieties that he's been, you know, kind of dealing with a little bit. Hearing stories about the Jim Hadar and whatnot, but also knowing that the scuttlebutt around the ship is, is that this is a mission that's pretty intense and a lot being at stake. There's also been, I'll give you this, Sander, this group has talked about, from, from the sounds of it, you're actually getting that despite the fact that um, that information about this mission has been kept pretty much on the down low, because the entire crew had to be sworn to secrecy and Yeoman Shanto had to put out that release, everyone is aware that this mission is incredibly unusual for the USS Ross, adding to the further anxiety about everything that is going on here. Um, You've been listening for the past few minutes as everyone has kind of like been sharing their feelings of anxiety and whatnot and how it's been just on the Ross in general. You know, for the most part, you're getting a sense that the Ox crew has really, Deep Space Assignments has actually really pushed a lot of the Ox crew to some pretty challenging places, but that everyone seems to be doing pretty good. Um, that being said, you're definitely getting the sense that everyone has been uh, needing this sort of joining, this, this group kind of therapy sessions where everyone's just kind of talking it out. Um, Bobby D, which is sort of like the nickname that the crew has given um, this, this, I wouldn't say counselor, um, but this um, sort of like a, you, you know that Bobby D does counseling but doesn't function necessarily as counselor, only in sort of like the off hour kind of thing. It's very similar to Exio. But Bobby D is actually known for more being a diplomatic negotiator. Um, Bobby D is Delphinian. So is in fact in one of the accessible uh, tanks that is built in from Cetacean Ops and that kind of lines this sides of the deck. Cetacean Ops, of course, they do have access and access points to various parts of the ship, particularly the recreation spots. So deck eight is the promenade and Cetacean Ops is actually curious enough in order to help facilitate some of the environmental needs of the Cetacean Ops crew, they actually have coordinated site-to-site -site transports built into a lot of the areas that immediately beam Cetacean Ops officers into other areas of the ship that, are, that accommodate for uh, aquatic life. Um, in this particular instance, there is this beautiful, gorgeous tank that wraps around this particular side of the promenade. 
and also has its own fair share of holographic projections working inside using the emitters. So through this glass, you can actually see Bobby D behind the Cetacean Ops glass with all these beautiful corals and scenic views of underwater vistas behind them. But Cetacean Ops is also doing that cool thing that the emitters do where the image of Bobby D is actually being projected out slightly in front of him to give more of an appearance that he is right next to all of you. Um, and that is where we are right now. Bobby D is just kind of listening as you see this almost dolphin-like head nodding up and down. These sort of these like metal strips, the blue glow, these are uh, elective, not necessarily implants, they're more like wearing devices that some of the Odanians and the uh, and the Delphinians have on their heads that help them immediately communicate outside of like the chirps and the whistles. Um, but Bobby D has got this sort of calming virtual voice and you can hear kind of soothing, um, kind of soothing your our joint trill. Zim is nodding and they're listening to each other. While all this is happening, off to the side, um, what are you doing as you're as you're listening to all of this? What, um, where's Tech at right now? In his yeah, head? I think uh, Tech is patiently listening to everybody because this is a new environment. Just being a part of this session. Uh, and it's sort of hearing where people are coming from and judging, I guess, his own sort of trauma <laughs> based off of what he's hearing. And he's getting geared up to be able to speak to, to the group. Okay. So after a few moments passes, um, Bobby slowly turns his head and glances in your direction, Tech, and just says, well, I think we would all really love to hear from you, Chief. If uh, you are comfortable with speaking with us tonight, if you would prefer to just sit here and be with us, that's perfectly acceptable. No, no, no. Um, I, I know it might be a little, well, I guess I don't know, but it might be a little jarring to see the, the head of a department here, but um, listen, I've heard all of your stories and you're all incredibly brave people you are putting your lives on the line and you're out here and you have dealt with the trauma of the past in a way that i could never understand my uh, many of you know this but one of my siblings my older brother was a part of the dominion war and actually lost his life on the line and i don't i never wanted to be military and i never wanted him to be anything that would, he was a doctor or he was a nurse, he was a healer. I didn't want him to join Starfleet. But before we lost him, he made me promise that I wouldn't cloister up, that I would take risks and that I would get out there and explore. And this was the way out. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm not a soldier. I, I don't belong in these situations. It might be, it might be too much for me. I don't know if I'll be able to handle it moving forward. And I might, I think in my professional opinion, we might need a new chief of engineering. 
Thank you. It feels good to say that out loud. And he'll sit down. There's a silence in the group for a moment. And after a few moments, um, a woman seated across, seated across from you. She pulls her dark hair back over her ears and slowly stands up and says, um, may I speak? And everyone nods and she says, um, my name is Sorka Sandiaco. I'm not Starfleet. I'm a chef here on the USS Ross, um, civilian. <laughs> um, there was a I think there was a period in my life where I might have been thinking about going into Starfleet. I, I wanted to serve on board vessels and I wasn't sure <laughs> for someone who loves food so much, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do that. <laughs> There's not a lot of opportunity outside of uh, freighters and such and civilian craft, of course, but Starfleet really, really spoke to me. And it was scary to think that I would ever serve on board one, especially because of the Dominion War, which was frightening. We were always told that Starfleet is an exploratory force and that it's a defense force, but suddenly the Dominion War turned us into soldiers and we were never meant to be that. And at least I thought we had left that behind, but I, I, I had thought about signing up and then I decided not to. And, um, I don't necessarily know exactly what it is that I want to say. It's just that I've been aware of you for a while, Chief. Um, it, word gets around on the ship how much you <laughs> enjoy food, and that, of course, will make its way to me. And um, I guess I just wanted to say that the, the truth is, is the, the reason why I've heard about you and, and conversations have come up about you enjoying food. It's all been from people who can't stop talking about how safe they feel working under you. It's usually conversations that are happening around 10 forward or how much people appreciate you. I, I'm not saying this as a way of trying to convince you to not do what you think you might need to do. I think you should do what you feel like you should do. I think you should take care of yourself. If you don't want to be a chief anymore, then don't. I mean, I could certainly use another chef, <laughs> but I don't want to speak for you or anybody else, but most people I know who get into Starfleet do it because not only do they want to see the world, but they like to serve other people. My, um, my grandfather used to tell me that that was the greatest expression of love of them all is service to others. He was a chef too. Um, <laughs> I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm kind of weaving in and out of my point, but I think all I wanted to say, Chief, is that um, because of how you've taken care of the ship, I, I think whatever you decide, everyone will support you. And I can just say from being someone who's overheard people talking about you that 
Well, I think you're loved, Chief. Chef, I appreciate that. And I have to say, I'm a huge fan of your work. You see her face light up like, you like this, like, oh my God, you've heard of me. Kind of like this her face lights up for a second. She doesn't say anything, but you just see the immediate reaction of just. I appreciate what you're trying to say. And I understand where you're coming from. I really do. I think I, I'm coming from a different place. And I just need to find out what that is. And unfortunately, through various circumstances, we just haven't had the chance to slow down. And while I would love to be a part of a starship and a crew that is serving a purpose or serving something lately, it's unclear to me what we're serving. And I think that's the heart of the issue, especially because, well, Experiencing the Dominion War from afar is one thing, but having your nightmares up close and on the same vessel, it's um, something else. She lets that sit for a moment and she gives a small nod and then just slowly takes her seat again. And after a moment, Bobby D speaks up and says, well, Chief, that that is a very courageous admission, and we're very happy to be able to be the people who can give you that ear, as it were. And I just wanted to acknowledge how hard it was to say what you just said. Thank you. Thank you. And I think we can all agree here that whatever you decide, I want you to know that the crew of the USS Ross will support you and we want you to take care of yourself. I hear you. I do. Well, does anybody else? Oh, is this somebody for the chief? And at that moment, you see LaCat standing about 20 feet away from this meeting, just kind of like doing this. I live to serve and I'll excuse myself and walk over. <laughs> um, you walk over and the cat goes, hey, I wasn't interrupting, was I? I mean, it looked like it was pretty obvious I'm interrupting, but I didn't mean to, To, it's important. I assume so. Should we walk and I'll gesture? Yeah, let's walk this way. Um, so I'm gonna talk in a lower voice because some stuff has happened and we should probably go over this. Um, we're probably gonna need your help with something here in just a minute. Okay. Um, but um, uh, do you, how much do you know? With uh, the, the changeling and everything that's happening right now? Well, I mean, the last I saw anybody, the Tachyon net went off, I guess, without a hitch and we have them captured. Oh, okay. I should. I only found out a bunch of stuff just recently, too. How are you doing, by the way? Uh, better. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I'd like to talk to you at some point. Oh. About I hear you. Yeah. There might be some more pressing issues. Look at Right. Yeah. No, no, no. So this, this, the, the, what's happening right now is yeah. um, 
So the changeling's on board. Like mm-hmm. she's actually on the promenade down that way and points. And you can see there's nobody nobody in, in visual sight. You just see the curvature of the promenade. It's mostly empty. And Lakat just kind of points down that direction and just says, she's actually here right now with the two Jem'Hadar soldiers and lots of weird stuff has happened, but I'll catch you up on the stupid stuff in a minute. The crazy stupid stuff though is, is that, um, um, no, you should just come see it because whatever what? I tell you is not gonna do. Come come with me, we're gonna go to the, the ambassador's um, suite and I'll, I'll tell you everything. Wait, the changeling is just out loose, just walking. Not loose with the command staff right now. I guess she's having a diplomatic conversation because there's something about refugees and like a crime lord that needs to be taken down. I don't know. Okay, all right, all right. Go ahead, Lacat, let's go. Okay. You sure you're okay? Yeah. Cool. A few moments later and the diplomatic suite doors open. Um, who is still in here? Uh, Lakat, uh, Olin would still be in here, and when Lakat walks in with Tech, Olin is just going to give Lakat a look, like, you were supposed to wait until he was done. <laughs> um, and Lakat goes, he was finishing up. Um, he sh- he's ready to see the thing. What drink do you like, Tech? Uh... I drink harder or just casual. You know, water's fine. Okay, please sit. Who else, who else is in the room? It's just, it's just the three of us. Oh, okay. Um, uh, ice store room temperature. Uh, well, room room temperature is fine. Ambassador, what's Computer, going on? water still. And they bring over the glass of water, and they give Lacat another look. And then they just offer Tech a hand. I'll take it. I've been on and, this ride. Yeah, and then I, <laughs> I, I ask the computer to play, uh, play the data rod again. All right. And just like as before, um, you see, you see this play out, Tech. So the whole time, the Orion shapeshifter could change into a different shape. Well, yes, that's generally how changelings work. I don't but know more... feeling. Yes, that's kind of why I asked you to hold my hand. Um, I need your help. Okay. I'm pretty sure only you and the cat can pull this off. So there is a specific piece of technology that I pretty sure you would not be immediately aware of and i'm not going to get into the particular details of how it is that i know about this piece of technology or where it comes from but you and lakat are going to build it together and lakat's going to help you do it i'm afraid i'm gonna need a little more specifics ambassador uh it's called a quantum stasis field generator it will disallow the changeling from shifting but it's impossible. It it's exists. Not. Jane just leans in and blurts that out. What? It, al- it already exists. No. We're going to be refabricating it 
and it didn't work. We could never perfect it because if it had worked, we would have a weapon that would be effective against the Dominion. And since we were unable to perfect the technology, we couldn't- I need you to listen to me very carefully, Tech. Not only does it exist, it does work, but with incredible consequences. And we are under strict orders from the captain to make sure that absolutely no harm comes to this changeling. So your orders are to refabricate this technology and make it possible for us to capture this changeling without hurting her. And I don't know anyone on the ship more capable of doing that than you. Just so I have the full sort of scope of my responsibilities here, you want me to invent an impossible piece of technology to create a state that is impossible to create, also while not injuring the person that it's being fired upon or the user, and you want that, um, I forgot to ask, how soon? As soon as possible. Oh, good, as soon as possible. Well, that's a phrase, isn't it? It is a phrase, and I understand the very difficult position that I've put you in, but Tech? Yes. I know that you and Lacat can do this. I've watched you pull off impossible things this entire mission. From the beginning, from the very first day I met you, you've been doing the impossible, and you will continue. For, for crying out loud, you pulled an entity out of a warp core. You saved this entire ship on multiple occasions. You and Lacat have literally changed the game on all of the things that we know. And you have done it in the span of less than, what, six months? You can do this. And I believe that you are singularly motivated to do this. And so guess what, Tech? You're going to do this. Do you at least have a blueprint or a starting plan? I think LaCat can more than help you with that. Oh, thank goodness. It's not from scratch. Okay. All right, LaCat, get the kit. And he'll just walk out. As the two of you walk out together, LaCat says, I don't know how to make this thing. That's all right. I think I have your back on that. Oh, sorry. LaCat says that to Tech as they walk out together. <laughs> <laughs> and you just... LaCat... Yeah. Just, just kind of gently to the side, not wanting to show the hand, just kind of looks up at you with doe eyes and just says, I, I don't know how to make this thing. It's from the Obsidian Order. I was just a civilian. I don't know how to make it. I'll help you out with that. I think I can help you out with that. Just give me like 10 minutes. <laughs> All right, so the two and of you- Owen are is gonna start engineering. Is that right, Chief Tech? Yeah, uh, we'll go to my lab in- Okay, uh, so under the holodeck? Holodeck. Okay, so. And Owen is going to be in their quarter, uh, their ambassador suite, literally pulling every string they have. <laughs> okay. Um, so while all this is happening, while all of this is going down, we're going to cut to main sickbay because alpha shift has come to an end. And so there is a transition taking place right now as beta shift is taking over. Um, so, Doctor, um, McCrell, you are getting up from your desk when you see um, Doctor Kari Saruna. Uh, I'm sorry, Surana, mm -hmm. Lieutenant 
Akari Sarana. Mm-hmm. Betazoid. Steps into uh, the main sick bay and nods to you as uh, as she approaches. She says, good evening, doctor. Good evening. <sighs> Pretty quiet, I suspect. The med bay is quiet, yes. Well, I'll let you know if anything exciting happens. Thank you. And she moves around the side of your desk and sets down her pad and smiles at you as she begins to set up for the shift, beta shift beginning. Yes, it's very quiet. Is everything all right, Doctor? Yes. Just with the tension of the ship so high, I suspect it won't be quiet for very long. She gives you kind of an ominous look and she nods and says, well, I'm at your disposal, whatever you need. Yes, I know. And I feel that sickbay won't suffer much. Let's hope there's no injuries on any future missions that we'll need to do, but I'm more concerned about the morale of the crew. I feel like this mission has put everyone in a very unstable mental capacity. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? She gives you this sort of like sad, sympathetic smile and just says, Doctor, I'm a, I'm a Betazoid. I've been feeling what the crew has been feeling. It's been quite a bit to deal with. And yes. I have to confess that I have to agree with you. I think it's been I think of everything we've been through so far, this has been the most troubling of the missions. You know, I saw firsthand the Dominion War, and so many of our crew members were also there that I feel like no one was ready to bring these feelings back up to the front. However, the USS Ross, our crew is special. If anyone was going to do this mission with our captain, in all honesty, I'm glad our ship is the one to be doing this and not another. I do not... Oh, sorry. She, nods. she just nods as she's listening to you. I do not envy your empathic abilities. I have heightened senses in a way, not in the way you feel, of course, but... Let's just say my fur is spiked. <laughs> yes, I suppose my fur is spiked a bit as well. Never go against the fur. 
<laughs> yes, Doctor. Well, well have I a good evening. I hope you get some rest. I'll do my best. I'm working on a few things myself, but um, let me know if anything exciting happens. So far today was very quiet. With that, you move out of the main sick bay. A couple of the other nurses nodding to you as a few of the other relief comes in. Um, a few of the doctors heading down to 10 forward, which is becoming a very popular place right now, considering the state of things. Um, as you move out into the main corridor, uh, you see what looks like a lost Ferengi. Looking around, um, trailing behind this Ferengi, you see an ops officer in the yellows with a phaser at their side, kind of noticing this Ferengi at the same time you are, pausing in her step and turning in the direction as this Ferengi is kind of looking around and spotting you, says, excuse me. Uh, Sprack, I'm assuming. Uh, You've heard of me? Yes, Sprack, we've met. (gasps) Yes, we have. Yes, that's right. The Cation that's the same height as me with the interesting name. it's, it's, um, It's nice to see you again. Um, what on earth are you doing wandering wandering these near the sick bay? What, are, are you lost? I'm looking I I stormed out of 10 I had a I got a little emotional in 10 forward and I ended up um, storming storming I, I shouldn't have been doing this but I was kind of looking around a little bit you know and um, you do realize there's a saying that curiosity killed the cat. However, Sprack, satisfaction brought it back, so maybe I can help you find what you're looking for. Curiosity killed the cat? It's a horrible phrase and I hate it, but it does have a point of, when you're a little too curious, you sometimes lose your cautiousness. hmm? Curiosity killed the cat. Not, not literally. The cat didn't actually die. I'm just saying, you know, when, when you are a little too curious and poking your nose where it shouldn't be, or in your case, your ears, maybe you get in a little trouble. It's a, it's an Earth phrase. I didn't create. Oh, it's an Earth phrase. Yes. That explains quite a bit. Most of the stupid things that I hear come from humans. Yes, you should hear, you know, I was gifted a book once uh, to help with my bedside manner of of, of phrases and and lingo that I could use to put some of my patients at ease, and I threw it. It was Hmm. horrible. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Listen, I don't suppose I could ask you for a little bit of of a favor. And at about that point, the security officer stops next to you both and says, Doctor, is he with you? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, actually, oh, we're old friends. Old just friends. Old. Uh, you know, uh, just like uh, just like me, we just you know have. Mm. He likes he likes this, and I'm gonna rub his little the top of his ears a little. One. Uh. <laughs> it's just like you know we we go way back. We're old friends. <laughs> An immediate reaction of shock and alarm as you just go. Eh. 
come, Sprack. Let's go and um. The security check. officer just goes, okay. Well, um, good evening, doctor. And turns on heel and she very pointedly walks away. <laughs> just <laughs> escapes that situation immediately. Just turns on heel and walks. And you see Sprat kind of like roll his shoulders a little bit and goes, well, that's definitely one way to make a security officer bugger Yeah, up. I figured, uh, the more uncomfortable we made the situation, the faster that they would leave. Now, what is the favor that you would uh, like of me, Sprack? Depends on the favor, of course, but if I... Um, well, the favor was to get rid of the security officer. <laughs> so, well done. I appreciate it. Um, it uh, would have been all then. Not really, no. Uh, would you mind giving me a tour of the ship? I've never been on a, uh, a not galaxy clash vessel before. Sure. All right. Um, let me ask the captain first, of course. Uh, I could give you a tour of uh, most of the common areas, but if you'd like a full tour of the USS Ross, um, we'd need the captain's permission. Maybe, maybe just a small tour, a tour that wouldn't require the captain's permission, like a, like a, like a smaller, maybe like a, you know, mini tour, I suppose. Like if a normal tour was, was the size of one of those Jim Hadar fellows and a mini tour was like my size or your size, like a smaller non-Captain Sol tour. I think I understand. Yes. Okay. I can do that. Uh, Great. Sometimes you can find the most interesting things in these smaller packages, yes? Agreed, yes. Let's find you something interesting to tour. Good, 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 yes. Um, uh, lead the way. I'm... the med bay, if you're interested. The, no, 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 I'm not, uh, no, no offense. Obviously, that's where you do your thing. I'm much more interested in sort of the greater glory of, you know, Federation, you know, Whatever. Would you like? Have you seen the promenade? Your ship has a promenade. Follow me. Oh, interesting. Very well. Yes. Oh wait. Yes, the promenade. I think I've. Yes, yes, yes. He comes dashing up behind you, and says, "Curiosity killed the. What does it even mean?" I really don't know. It's a horrible phrase, and I don't like it at all. And I take it very personal when people repeat it back to me. But. It sounded like the right thing to say. Hmm. Curiosity killed the cat. But satisfaction brought it back, and I still don't know exactly what that means either. Uh, maybe the cat was a healer. Well, I would refer to you to the rule of acquisition number 292. Only a fool passes up a business opportunity. And I would oh. like to talk to you, Dr. McCrell about the business opportunity. You see, I have a brother, and he follows you into the turbo lift, and the doors go, shh, and we're going to take our break. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a 10-minute break, and we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in just a moment. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Um, before we jump into the game, I just wanted to acknowledge all the wonderful things y'all are saying in chat right now. Thank you so much. It's a, a privilege to run stories for y'all. 
And we're so happy you're here joining us for Clear Skies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Enjoy the pillow fort. There's more coming. And I know that simply because all of these amazing role players are probably gonna destroy us at some point tonight without us realizing. So let's go ahead and jump back into the game. When we last left off, Sprack and, Sprack and Dr. McCrell had gone into a turbo lift together to go God knows who knows where. I guess y'all are going to the- We'll have a moment, okay. You're, you're going to the promenade. And uh, he's going to bend your ear about something that's interesting. As the turbo lift is moving, Sprack is quiet for a second and says, Show, what would it take, do you think, to get the captain's help getting my ship back? And your ship is? The ship is the liquidator. You don't understand, doctor. It's not just a Ferengi Decora class cruiser. The liquidator is beauty. Just beauty. You don't understand what I had to go through to get the paint job on that ship. It's unique. She's my first love outside of Latinum, obviously. Obviously. And who exactly has your ship right now? My brother, who staged a mutiny and had me removed as daemon, and appeals to the Ferengi Trade Federation have gone quiet, mostly because I have no way of contacting them out here. I've been marooned. And I'm stuck in this ridiculous war. Don't get me wrong. Taraz is an okay guy as Orions go. You know, they've all got their agendas. They all think they're hot shit. But as Orions go, Taraz is all right. But it's not enough. I'm a Ferengi. I'm an entrepreneur. I see new horizons for the Ferengi people. There's big changes coming for the Trade Federation, and I need to be a part of it. I'm a forward thinker. It's all about evolution. It's all about bringing in the next thing. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, Sprague. I need my ship for that, Doctor. Now, May I ask you a question? Oh, yes, please, go ahead. <laughs> Why are you telling me all of this instead of actually putting your case up to the captain? Exactly. Captain Shaw doesn't like me at all. Captain Shaw doesn't like me. Why would you say that? Because I'm really good at reading people, Doctor. Mm. Really, really good. And to be fair, Captain Sol has a good reason not to like me. Ferengi, we, my whole, look, I'm gonna level with you about this, okay? Ferengi and Orions, they have a history. Let's just say Orions typically like to trade in things that are not very good. And I don't mean weapons, I mean people. Right. This was a big part of the Orion Crime Syndicate. May it forever burn in the pits of whatever hell people believe in. Now, that being said, the previous incarnation of the Ferengi Trade Union never officially sanctioned any of that. Bad for business, they would say. But that doesn't mean that a daemon would not, say, occasionally look for opportunities to bring in Latinum and didn't care about the suffering that that would cause. 
As a result, it wasn't unusual to hear about a Ferengi daemon doing things under the table with the Orion Crime Syndicate. Now, I'm not one of those captains, all right? I never got involved with that. I never wanted anything to do with this. I got marooned. So. Yes, and I was going to say our captain is an Orion, and yet they do not do any of this either. You cannot let your your past and your race define who you are. If you are wanting to make a change and you are deserted here and want to go forth and make something of yourself, then why not tell the captain these exact words? I'm sure if anyone, they would understand. They are a Starfleet captain. Because, if I can be honest with you, the doors to the turbo lift go and he steps out immediately and just says, because if I can be honest with you, doctor, the galaxy has a very specific way of viewing Ferengi. And I'm gonna be just honest. And this might be the only time you hear me do that. So just try to forget that you're hearing this, okay? But the truth is, our image isn't exactly undeserved. We'll just say that my people got a little excited when they were introduced to the greater galaxy. And maybe the wrong people were making the decisions at that point. The point is, there's, look, everyone has a problem with their histories. Everyone does. The Ferengi, the point that I'm trying to make is, is our reputation isn't undeserved, okay? You follow me there? So. Yeah. I, I anticipate the captain not being too happy. It's not that I think I can't get away from who I am. It's that I feel like maybe it's very difficult as a Ferengi to per approach somebody from a position of power. But I do have a bargaining chip for the captain. Scrag is a pirate. Your brother? Yes, he's a pirate. He doesn't just steal my ship, he steals other ships. And it's not a coincidence that he's doing deals with the Dominion. Interesting. All right, Sprack. Let I'll make you a deal. Hmm. Well, not really. And I, I, I know what deals with Verenge entailed. I will help you present your case to the captain. If you promise that if you do end up getting back your ship and be becoming part of the... The Frankie oh, Trade Union. Yes, yes. The Frankie... Yes, the Progressive. Federation. Yes. That you do it honestly. That you would run... I know, you know, some rules are meant to be bent. <laughs> Sometimes. Let's, let's try not to break any. If you're going to ask the help of the Federation, then you have to go by the Federation rules. That's an easy promise to make, Doctor. Why do you think I got kicked off the ship in the first place? Well, then let's, uh... Let's plan on talking to the captain, hmm? Are you sure they're not going to just tell me to get off their ship? Look, if you... 
if you tell the captain that you, of course, you were deserted here, there's no way for you to change and become better in the place that you are. If you are stuck in this situation and you want to change and you want to go forth and find your ship, maybe make sure that your brother does not cause any more harm and steal any more ships of his own, then I feel like the captain would be willing to listen. And you're going to back me up in this conversation? I will do what I can. Again, uh, yes, I will back you up. You will back me up. Sprack, I think you are a good person. Don't say that again, please. I think you are a decent person. I don't know what I did to piss you off, but hopefully I'll make it up to you at some point. Right. Well. Let's go look at the promenade, because if you do end up coming aboard the USS Ross, we will have to find something useful for you to do, and I feel like the promenade might have a position for you, unless, of course, you are a secretly a doctor or an engineer that we've not known No, about. no, 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 I see where you're going with this, and if it means getting off this rock, then I'll, yes. <gasps> I formally request asylum. Well, you probably shouldn't request it with me. Again, you should right, sorry. request no, it I'll, I'll with the captain. Me. Yes, you're right. Sorry, yes. I'll do, I'll do this with the captain. Yes, I can asylum you into a sick okay. bed. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's, uh, all right. Is it this way? Let's let's do that. Go to the captain for asylum. Yes, or the promenade. Wherever we... I, yes. Wherever you want to go. I like this plan. It's a good plan. Well, let's go find the captain. Let's go find the captain. Yes. Yes. I'm just going to make it easy and actually call the captain. These two five-five silhouettes just moving down the corridor. <laughs> side by side. <laughs> Big ears. Um, um a few moments pass. We're gonna go back to the promenade. Captain, what are you doing right now? First thing I need to do is find out from Exio, uh, who is presumably in the meeting with Lee. So mm -hmm. I will rejoin them to find out what intelligence Lee can give us and what she proposes we do about Kamal. So just to give everyone a time frame since the start of this episode to this moment it's been about 30 minutes perfect in game so because all soul did was have a conversation with their staff about uh, what to do about natron oh you know what i i should give gina this role too because gina's been just occurred to me that would make a lot of sense because gina has oh, been entrenched that one. yes yeah, because it's not because I gave you a difficulty five role, right? And it just occurred to me, Gina should get this role too because Exio is completely entrenched in some pretty intense poker facing right now. So I'm gonna set the difficulty of this also at five. 
This is going to be an insight command roll, though, and yes. that is where Exio dominates. <laughs> so, oh my god. Exio has, have... an in- Exio has an insight of 12 and a command of 5. She has literally maxed the F out. She's a counselor. She and okay, very good. And her focus, bodylanguage.exe, is totally going to come into play here. Uh, Does any of her cold reading stuff come in? I don't know too much about that. Um, ooh. Yeah, I was thinking, does she have a talent to lower the difficulty? Actually, yes, cold reading would absolutely come into play here. Um, yes, cold reading would come into play here. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So I'll drop it to four. Uh, do the diplomatic suites do anything? Because that's related specifically to command roles. Let's look up uh, diplomatic suites because I feel like that's specific to negotiation. I don't know if this would count as reading, but it might. It might actually count. But that's a really good point because you guys are on the Ross and taking the diplomatic suites as a trait for the Ross specifically was designed for these types of roles and to lower the communi- uh, negotiations, which. Saul did, but like this is a negotiation in part. Negotiation has happened. Uh, it specifically says negotiation. That, uh, I would say because there is a give and a take that the agreement that Saul was making was uh, that Lee would ret- like the circumstances of Lee in exchange for taking care of Canal are themselves a negotiation. That's the, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that what I'm having this role for is absolutely not a negotiation. This is literally to pick up a body language, a, a signal, as it were. So I'm gonna just make us unless unless you guys want to award me threat. I'm just gonna make a straight roll here. Um. So. <laughs> gonna... Does that mean she needs two crits to succeed? She needs two crits to succeed. So we'll see. Let's do it. See what happens. I rolled two fours. Two fours from Exio. That's two crits. Two. It's the Exio. It's having been. Just, it's being Gina. It's making you do extraordinary things. Eric. <laughs> Please never roll this way again. Thank you. <laughs> two fours. Wow. I should take a picture. Um, okay. Two fours. Two warp fours. All right. Anyway. Um, so as you approach, um, you see Exio smiling and nodding, and. She stands and says, would you excuse me just for a moment? And the changeling says, of course. And she approaches you, Captain, and leans in and just says, how's everything going, Captain? Oh, this is quite a day. Thank you for pulling me out. You're welcome. The first has been giving me a signal. I don't know what he wants, but he's been giving me a signal. And then she leans back and smiles and nods to you. So, nonetheless, I say as as I walk back in, I don't think we can afford Nadrin any further privileges after that. 
previous incident, so I think we'll have the ambassador talk to him about it, perhaps. I'll see to it. Excuse me, Lee. Thank you for your indulgence. I'm hoping we can move forward with things now, Captain. Indeed, yes. So, where we left off. In order to receive the technology that you've bargained for, I require your help taking down Kanut. Understood. We certainly have enough support that we can provide to that end, assuming that you have intelligence on whatever installation it is. What exactly are you looking for? I need access to your transporters. I'm afraid they're not useful in this magnetic interference. Forgive me. They're not useful beaming down from, say, orbit because of the interference of the minerals in the planet's crust. But there are other uses for them. Please continue. There is a site-to-site transportation device that our rivals have been using. It allows them to phase through solid objects. It's very dangerous to the ones that are being used. It's sort of a crude version of what the Dominion would use during the war in order to bypass earlier versions of Federation shielding technology. Knull's people, specifically his Nausicaan friends, have been able to use this to an advantage. And we need that advantage ourselves. Specifically, we know the location of Knull's lair. If we had the same beaming technology, we could end this very quickly. With the forces of the Ross, we can end this very quickly in a straightforward move. Why would we need to get this kind of potentially dangerous technology involved at all? You see a look of surprise on her face and she says, I didn't think to ask you for direct assistance from the Ross. I suspected you would have turned that down. Are you saying you're willing to send security teams to help us overtake Kanal? Kanal is a pirate and breach of interstellar law. I have wide leeway, if you'll pardon me, to act as I like. I'd have to confer with my tactical officers, but offhand I was imagining a two-pronged assault and a team in coordination with whoever Taraz has a guz and who have you, and perhaps some of the stealthier of us on an attack. I mean, I know the two of us have been on the wrong side of things for quite a while, but surely if it were just a couple of us, we could make a small insertion while they were diverted by a ground assault. You surprise me, Captain. I... Like so many of my kin, perhaps I've underestimated the Federation. I would accept that help. Very good. So, we need this installation and we'll assemble teams for the general strike force and then 
for a smaller insertion team. Excellent. I'll let my people know. We'll be ready. Uh, I'd like to make my uh, insight into her right now. You want to make an insight check on her? Yeah. Okay. I want to see how she's taking it. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's pull this up. Yep. Um, so go ahead and make a roll. Difficulty is one. Yep. Yeah. And now isn't the time, so let's go. All right. Tell me what you get. Okay. Uh, that's three from me. You tie. Again. Um, oh, we are not getting momentum. Sorry, friendos. She nods, and you get the sense that she is actually buying into this. She she nods. All right. That she seems interested. That, in short, is she taking the bait? Yes, she's nodding. She seems to buy into what you've said. She seems to believe that you're going to commit forces to help her take this hideout that she's talking about. Does she seem like she smells in the water with it? That you're not getting a sense of. That would be right. an obtained information check. Yep. Okay, From that yeah. roll, though, she's taking the bait. All right. Well, fair enough. Good. Uh, then uh, I'll leave my lieutenant commander to liaise with you. Uh, perhaps likewise I could use coordination from your team with mine. You wish one of my... Unless you're planning to... I mean, I know they go in rather hard if you're concerned that they're going to disrupt an infiltration team. Not at all. You, first. Do as the... Do as the captain has suggested, and be an instrument of insight into how the Jim'Hadar operate in operations such as this. Yes, Founder. Shall I wait here? Yes, uh, please give my commander, because Prawl is one of the people in this room right now and has been. Uh -huh. Yeah, Prawl's uh, been standing here quietly. Yep. All of the information you have on this hideout, and the two of you can begin to coordinate on tactical plans for how best to execute this. Yes, Captain. You hear Prawl say. Very well. Shall we? There's this big grin on her face. And you get the distinct impression, Captain, that she's very pleased right now. What are you doing? Uh, that was, I mean, the... She's not in tactics because you don't need liaisons on both sides. That's not efficient. I'm really just getting this gem to try to get are, whatever I keyed off of. Are you uh, trying to get the gem hardar to follow you somewhere? Are you trying? What exactly are you doing with? Her? Uh, I mean, if she's staying here with Prawl, that's perfectly fine, and we'll go elsewhere, like uh, to my ready room or something, or vice sure. versa. Uh, makes yeah. no matter to me. Okay. So wherever you want to go, he'll follow you. Right. Uh. I don't think I have to worry about uh, any intelligence disclosures just walking through the bridge, so we can go up to my ready room. 
Boy, do you get looks, Captain. Yep. This first Jim'Hadar soldier following you through the corridor. You have a security team with you, by the way. Um, two soldiers, uh, two security following you into the turbo lift. Um, Iklat Etlan is quiet. He is a statue. And as you step out onto the bridge, there are, from beta shift, there is, you can't tell where it comes from, a very quiet gasp from someone on the bridge as he steps out with you and follows you down the ramp. Um, would you like security to follow you into your ready room? No, there's no need for that, Ensign. Okay. I have complete confidence in that fun. The Ensign looks conflicted for a second and just says, I, a Captain, we will wait outside Good. your door. And I'll move on in. All right. Ilket follows you in and the door is closed. And he stands quietly watching you as you move around and turn to face him. I confess most of my work has been in finding changelings. I find myself at a bit of a disadvantage in any of intelligence specific to Jem'Hadar. He doesn't respond. He stares at you. I know that Lee did ask to lend insight. I certainly would appreciate that myself. You are the captain of this vessel. From what I understand, you are Starfleet. Yes. Out in this place. I am an unusual position for a Jim Hadar captain. I follow orders. It is my life. As the founders will, so do I go. If they tell me to die, I die. They tell me to do, I do. I have been sent on this mission to find a founder, by a founder. And my orders, as are the other orders of the other Jim Hadar and the Vorta, is to kill this founder if she refuses to return to the Dominion. Founder Odo believes her to be a grave threat. And while it is not my place to know either way, I have been ordered to stop her at all costs. The Vorta, however, has begun to show signs of treason. And in pledging himself to this founder, he has betrayed Founder Odo. I find myself in a unique position, Captain. I can only imagine the difficulty it must be to find your duty in such circumstances, and I commend you for your assuredness in following that path. I have only told you this because I am under orders from Founder Odo to speak of it if things become complicated. It was his belief that if things were to become complicated, that Starfleet might offer insight. And you see he says that with a sense of distaste in his voice. 
understand. As Starfleet, we're looking for peaceful space. And should we have any reason to see that the Changeling League has committed crimes or is committing crimes, we intend to take her into custody as we would with anyone in this space. I have been told that that is an acceptable outcome of the situation. Good. Founder Odo has allowed me to have her be captured if necessary. That is the preference of Starfleet. We value life. But in order for that to happen, we'd need to find evidence of crimes or for her to commit them, as I say. I have every this... reason to believe that she will make an attempt on my life if we have this small party insertion. I should tell you, Captain. Yes. This evidence for a crime, as you put it. Yes. I do not require evidence for a crime. I require only the will of the Founders. Founder Odo has given me an order. Therefore, if there ever comes a moment, Captain, where you find you cannot imprison her, I will carry out my duty. Nonetheless, for the moment, it seems our interests are aligned. For now, that's the best we can hope for. I would not ask you to neglect your duty. Understanding that there is only so much I can do with it without making an enemy of the Dominion, and none of us wants that. Founder Odo has made it explicitly clear to me that the peace between the Federation and the Dominion is to be upheld at all costs. I will see that through. You should also know, Captain, Second Venet Rax is not aware of these orders, and he will attempt to stop me. I will have to kill him. And it is important that you do not interfere if that moment comes. We at the Dominion do not see life the same way you do. We are dead. We go into battle to reclaim our lives. Victory is life. Yes, victory is life. I understand that he would not stop until he is dead. My only hope is that we can avoid that situation altogether. I understand it's unlikely. But one hopes. I do not have space for hope. I'll try to carry enough for the both of us then. He seems to nod at you. For the first time, Captain, 
you get a sense that you're talking to a Jim Hadar that's being put in a position that very few Jim Hadar in the history of the Dominion have been put in. One of the great laws that you know that exists in the Dominion is that changelings do not kill changelings. That is one of the central tenets. And that Odo would order something like this must mean something serious. It's also worth noting that technically a changeling isn't killing a changeling. Well, if there was ever one who did. Yeah. Is the guy. So here we are. But you also know that Odo is a member. He's rejoined the Great Link. So it's hard to say what's really going on here. Something altogether more complicated. There is, after all, always something beneath the surface. First, would the second be willing to guard the Vorta aboard the ship while we carry this mission out? If I order him to do so. But know this, Captain. The Vorta's orders supersede mine. The Vorta are the voice of the Founders. If the Vorta tells the second to throw himself out of an airlock, he will do so without hesitation. The Vorta is about to be put on quite a lockdown due to the events that happened earlier with the Raiders and the orders that he gave. That is part of shipboard policy in itself. So he should be cut off from all information and from anything that happens here until hopefully we have Lee in custody safely. At which point, most likely both the second and Nadron would have to be put into protective custody to avoid them doing harm to themselves or others in defense of Lee. For us, it is a simple game, Captain. If the Vorta ever orders the second to do something, he will do it. Yes. It's admirable loyalty. We're going to try hard as we can for no blood to be shed this day. Then, for your sake, Captain, good luck. Thank you. First. And to you. May you find victory. And I think from there we will work through very straightforwardly, giving me an understanding of the tactical capability of Jemadar, and then we will ready this small party insertion mission, which is... Yeah, yeah, the impression you get talking... The the impression you get from talking to Ilkat is that Ilkat doesn't seem to know that she is also... It's obvious he's not privy to that information, so he is plotting... So you get a sense as he's taking you through some tactics. Here's the the thing you, you learn about him. He has a very blunt force trauma style of forward thinking. Like his whole thing, it, the, the sense you get from him, Captain, is that Ilkat's tactics rely on the fact that he knows his personal prowess in battle and he is suggesting 
he is suggesting tactics that would be high risk maneuvers for a Federation squad. He seems to be completely confident in the ability to execute some of the maneuvers and some of the feints that he's proposing. But the most valuable thing that he proposes to you is that using him as a weapon, specifically, he tells you that in the course of this invasion, if you show a Jim Hadar soldier at the front, there will be panic. Because there's no such thing as just one Jim Hadar soldier. That's true. And so he he encourages you to use that to your advantage. Hmm. So the two of you are left planning. Uh, yeah. Uh, from there, I'm going to eventually wrestle up uh, Macrell, whom I do want on the insertion team. We're going to uh, coordinate with Tiraz. Uh, okay. Really, I'm figuring if I give Leah a good enough opportunity to, like, try to, like, shoot her shot, she'll take it. And this little small party is assuring that she feels like the numbers are favorable to her to do it. So you want to you want to create. I'm creating the opportunity for her to make her move and order the first to shoot me or try to do that, so that we will have evidence of a crime and then can take her into custody. It, he's the first is nodding as he's seeing this and says, "You should be a weapon that." Dominion Polaron weapons do not come with a stun setting. Yes. That's why the Doctor will be in our party. You're putting a lot of trust in me. I could make a killing shot easily. But you will do your duty to the Founders, above all. If we both survive this, Captain, I look forward to more conversations with you. Make sure to survive. I will see to it that you do. Okay. <laughs> Last okay. campaign, it was a Klingon. This campaign is a Jimidar. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just poking fun. Derek! Uh, <laughs> and Sam so works their way through all the warrior races. It's really going to help if we do have that quantum stasis generator, because then if she makes I, move, it's going to suck. So how are we doing, buddy? Every mountain. Yeah, how, how, uh, how? So this is, so Olin is trying to do a little bit of string pulling. Uh, okay. To see if they can get anything even remotely close to a blueprint for this quantum stasis field generator. Okay. And they do have our Cardassian diplomat contact. It's just a matter of, can they actually get in touch with this person in anything resembling a, re a decent amount of time? Yeah, okay, so you can, so you were gonna be reaching out to the Romulan ambassador and the Klingon ambassador, correct? That was the at plan? Some, at some point, yes. Oh, okay, uh, so this not has now. Be, This has become the more pressing issue is getting, getting that quantum stasis field generate, like anything at all so that if I can help LeCat and Tech not have to start, start from scratch, 
and uh-huh. I have actual connections in the in the Cardassian embassy, so I would like to see if I can use them. So the the main problem that you're running into is there is no Cardassian embassy within range of the USS Ross to help you in an immediate in an immediate time frame. You guys are pretty remote out here. Right. So um, what are my other options? Well. Oh, ooh, actually, yes, I think I do want to speak to the Romulan and Car- uh, Klingon ambassadors because uh feels to me like maybe the Romulan might know something he's not supposed to know about a certain quantum stasis field generator. <laughs> hey, you look like a person from a duplicitous race. I'm sure you know something <laughs> about this. Um, There's okay. no way you guys have these plans just filed away somewhere that's narendra station is within subspace relay range you can connect and talk to the embassy just as you did with the klingon ambassador yes Uh, one of our two romulan shady business options (laughs) (laughs) one of two of them yes we have a buffet yes so let's let's see if i can navigate the non-treasonous waters here Okay. okay here we go so it's easy enough to use your diplomatic codes and make contact with the Klingon embassy. And it's the same with making contact with the Romulan embassy. Who would you like to, so you're gonna have to connect with one of them first and then mm-hmm. arrange the three-way call. Right, I think I'll go ahead and, and contact the Klingon first since he was the one arranging the meeting on my behalf. Okay, as the communication, you see the Klingon, you see of course the, the sort of honor just on the screen as you connect with the embassy. And then when it comes online, you see he's laying in a bed of furs. Um, com- this older Klingon, completely bare chest, um, thick gray mane of hair spilling all about. You can see him peeking out from the other side of it. The bed, of course, is just a metal slab with furs thrown over it. And as he's laying there, he's glancing over to the side. You can get a sense that where he is right now, probably laying in bed and is turned over and turned up, like picking up the phone while you were still asleep. And you see he activates it and goes, yes, what is it? Very sorry to disturb. I guess I really should have checked the time, but it's a bit of an emergency. Um, that that conversation that you were going to help wait, me arrange. Wait, 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 wait. It's, wait, it's Olin Marginale. Wait, wait, stop talking. <sighs> You see the image begins to shift around a little bit. And then you're now looking at him straight on and he just rubs his face. And when you look at him straight on, you see that the lights are actually on behind him in the quarters. And in the far lower corner, you can see station time. It's not late. And he rubs his face and just says, Ambassador, Ambassador Mojanil? Yes. Mm. I apologize for disrupting your sleep. Um, uh, I, fine, fine. I wanted to uh, ask if it were possible to have that meeting with you and the Romulan ambassador now. I, now? I understand that uh, I have obviously inconvenienced you, but uh, it is a little bit of an emergency. You seem grab what looks like a data pad and says, Now it's fine. Let me put on some something. I well, shut up the call. I'll be ready when you're ready. Thank you, Ambassador Jaw. And moves off screen. All right. And it goes on hold. It goes. Psh. You connect to the Romulan embassy. Sure. 
A few moments pass, and you see the Romulan Star Empire symbol, that green bird, that phoenix-looking bird. Um, a few moments pass, and when you see materializing on the screen, you actually see uh, Nale, the uh, envoy. This very proper, pristine, angular feature young Romulan woman um, with the typical glossy black hair just cut perfectly. She's wearing these glossed robes that fold over her chest and have sort of those sort of silver lined metal plates cut into squares, very reminiscent of the old school Romulan uniforms from the late 23rd century. Um, she is looking at you a bit critically for a moment and says, Ambassador Marginium, how may I help you? I was actually wondering if Ambassador Pagina was available. I will see if the Ambassador can receive you at this moment. May I inquire as to what the nature of the call is? Um, I have a rather a bit of a pressing matter that I would like to bring him in on. Uh, he will be conversing with myself and Ambassador Jal. I see. I will inform the ambassador at once. Please stand by. I appreciate it. Okay, Owen, you can do this. It's going to be fine. <laughs> A few moments there. pass, and when the screen reactivates, you see the very handsome face of the Romulan ambassador of Pagino. He's also wearing what looks like the refined robes of the Romulan Senate. They're these deep green silks mixed with these bright tans. A little bit of hint of the old school Romulan colors too. Stripes of purple running down what looks like a robe, like a sash that follows falls over his left side, indicating his status as a member of the nobility of the state and as a Romulan ambassador. He has a very calculated smirk on the side of his face when he says, Ambassador Marginil, I'm pleased to see you. I didn't get a chance to speak to you before the Ross, left the Ross left port. I do apologize. We actually did rather leave in a bit of a hurry, didn't we? But it seemed they uh, wanted us to strike out as quickly as possible. I do apologize I for not properly taking my leave of your uh, quite enjoyable company. That's very kind of you, Ambassador. I require no special treatment. I understand when duty calls, one must go. Indeed. How have things been for you? Calm, surprisingly. The situation here on Narendra Station has been developing slowly. There, of course, was a bit of an outcry when we first established our embassy here. However, under the guidance of the Klingon leadership, I am happy to say that the Klingon Empire has behaved itself. And I've opened what I consider to be very positive initial dialogues with the General Cargan. Well, that is good to hear. Though I do believe that continued good relations require everyone to be on their best behavior, no? I would agree. How can I help you this evening, Ambassador? I'm actually waiting for Ambassador Jal to join us. Um, on that cue cutting you off you just see just reappears the ambassador is you can see from a wide angle he's pouring himself looks like another cup of alcohol and as it comes online he sees the two of you and just says are we ready to start talking about whatever it is we're supposed to be talking about this hour yes 
I believe so. Um, I do apologize for the abruptness in which I am holding this meeting, but I did need to inquire with both of you about your level of awareness of certain shady dealings that my ship has come across in the last few months. If this meeting is going to take this long to get to the point, I'm going back to bed. My apologies, and Ambassador Dahl. <laughs> Enough with the apologies. What do you want to know? Are you aware that there are Dominion pieces of technology floating around under the control of the Orion Syndicate well within, the, uh, well within your borders? We've heard rumors. What is this about? A certain Klingon prison settlement that was nearly invaded by pirates happened to have these particular pieces of technology aboard. A Klingon colony, you say? Yes. And they were in pursuit of a specific type of technology that I imagine combined with Dominion technology would have been incredibly dangerous. What is it you are speaking of, Ambassador? I want to know how aware your intelligence operatives are of these Dominion technologies and whether or not they have any of them in their own possession. I don't know, and I'm not sure I would be at liberty to divulge information from Klingon intelligence. I understand. There is one particular piece of technology that I am interested in, because I believe that it's... If it were common knowledge, it could be very dangerous. Go on. I believe that it is probably not uh, out of the realm of possibility for me to surmise that we all heard of the very experiments that were taking place in order to find a way to contain changelings. He leans back, and at that point, as he leans back, the Romulan ambassador leans forward and says, go on. The Romulans specifically had a non-aggression pact with the Dominion in order to uh, remain outside of the altercation and then- Don't we in. remember that? The Klingon ambassador interrupts you. All that but, aside. <laughs> the, uh, in that brief moment, you see Gino does not rise to the bait. He just continues to listen. While a non-aggression pact doesn't particularly mean one thing one way or another as far as exchange of ideas, I can't sit here and not imagine that the Klingon Empire and the Romulan Star Empire didn't do their fair share of digging to figure out who exactly it is they were or weren't in bed with. Pagina doesn't say anything, but you see impatience starting to come across the Klingon's face. And after a moment, you see the Klingon glances over at the Romulan <clears throat> and then back to you and just says, Ambassador, I need you to get to your point. Do either of you particularly know whether or not your, um, your respective governments are not only aware of this technology, but perhaps potentially have intelligence on it? 
You're asking for intelligence on ways to confine a changeling? Yes. And why would you be asking for that technology now, Ambassador? Have you discovered a changeling? I'm not sure. Go ahead and make a roll. Mm-hmm. Difficulty uh, is one. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Go for it, buddy. I believe in you. Do the thing. Yep, yep. This is, uh, I, I imagine my galactic politics focus is going to come into this big time. Galactic politics would not come into this, no. This is not, I, this, this, I is not have... a role, this is not a role to read the galactic political landscape. This is a role to bluff. Sure. So I guess diplomacy or negotiations could come into this. Negotiation is the art of the deal. Diplomacy. Possibly. I also have cultural studies, but I'm not sure if that works. No, nah, that wouldn't really do it. Do you have a value that might help here, maybe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we had any momentum, I could give you my deception focus. Yeah, you guys, I know. None. We have zero. We've, this has been a rough game. There's been no has, I'm trying to, to decide. I think that as- if nothing else. I do have a directive, but on- on top of that, I believe that as they've as they've been reading the body uh, language, especially of Ambassador Jaw, uh, maybe meet them where they are comes in as a value to burn. Hmm. He did ask me to level with him as far as what I actually wanted. I honestly think I could see that. Yes, I think. Yeah, I'll let you call him on that. That sounds, that's, that's like a, the reason why I would agree with that is just because the Romulan Chew is kind of like, he's dancing with you right now. Mm-hmm. So I would, I, I would say yes. Yeah, I'll allow that one. All right, cool. So I'm going to go ahead and burn that value and give myself an automatic crit. Okay. And is this a Control command, a presence command. This is gonna be um, this is gonna be presence command, and I'm going to actually uh, spend threat to gain an extra die here. Cool. Great. Here we go. Oh boy. Okay. Four successes. Gain one momentum. Whew. I will do that. Um, He looks at you for a moment and says, if you have discovered a changeling, that is quite serious. And I would want to alert my superiors immediately. I could see to it that we could find what we can for this technology. It shouldn't take long if the threat is real. I can certainly pull strings. Let us call it a favor between ambassadors. Of course. And I assure you, if such a threat is actual and factual, it is a threat to all of us. 
the Klingon, you see he he just kind of considers this, pulling on his beard a little bit, and he says, I trust this technology exchange will be between the three of us, correct? I can't understand why we would want to dirty the waters of diplomacy between our three empires, federations, organizations, whatever it is you want to call it, <laughs> by withholding from each other such an important piece of technology. Wouldn't you agree, Ambassador Pagino? I would agree, yes. I thank you very much for your time, and I do apologize for the shoddy bit of cloak and dagger. It's not entirely my style, but I felt it was really important to impress upon you the potential dangers at hand. The Romulan ambassador nods, and the Klingon just says, <laughs> you see, he <laughs> he kind of clears his throat, and Jal just says, apologize less, and cuts transmission. <laughs> just, um, I have a British accent. Apologizing is what I do. <laughs> when he cuts transmission, Pagino does not. And Pagino says, Ambassador, why have you? May I speak with you for a moment? Of course. If I may be so bold. From you, I get a distinct impression that you and I are in very similar circumstances. That we are operating with governments that sometimes put us in awkward positions, particularly regarding our agendas for diplomacy. Would you say this is accurate? Olin doesn't answer, just gives him a look. He slowly nods. I will do what it takes to protect my captain and my crew. I will do what it takes to protect your captain and your crew as well, Ambassador. I deeply appreciate that. And if this is to be a favor between diplomats, I do that means I owe you one. You do. But if I could put your mind at ease, Ambassador, all I am interested in is the stability of the Romulan Star Empire something that we lack right now. There are forces at work that I am very well aware of the incidents that happened on Earth. As you are very well aware that Sila has been making her moves in the halls of power. The identity of my government is very much in question right now. I may someday require the help of you and your captain. If there's one thing I know about my captain, they take great joy in putting fascists to sleep. That seems to take him a little aback. Like, 
he wasn't expecting such a direct statement, but he leans back a little bit and says, I believe I understand you, Ambassador. Thank you very much for your time, Ambassador Gino. I will look forward to hearing from you very soon. I will send you the... Yes? I should make you aware that in the past 48 hours, we you see all of a sudden the transmission goes and cuts off. And it just says transmission lost and the Starfleet logo appears on the screen. Oh, that's not good. Ambassador Omen to Marjan Neal to Captain Sol. So this is actually taking place about the time Captain Sol is having the conversation with the Jim Hadar. Yeah, uh, we'll say we're we're finishing that up now. Yes, let's go for Sol. If you have a few moments, I'd like to speak with you before you implement whatever plan it is that you're about to do. I will be in a text laboratory if you want to meet me there. I'm on my way. And about that point, Captain, when you step outside the ready room with the Jim Hadar to your side, McCrell, where are you right now? We've been um, walking the promenade, looking for the captain, talking about <laughs> stupid earth phrases and lingo yeah. that- A bird in a bush? <laughs> what the hell is that even supposed to mean? I don't know. And a bushel in a peck, that doesn't make sense either. Who, where are all these bushes anyway? So, finally, I realized the captain is not on the promenade. So I'm going to just um, call the captain. Okay. We're all so, calling the captain. We're just doing a big old telephone chain. So as you're stepping out, as you're stepping out with the Jim Hadar in tow, reporting to going to find the ambassador, you get a chirp just as you step into the turbo lift with the Jim Hadar and the two security officers. Dr. McCrell to Captain Sol. Yes, this is Captain Sol. Uh, if you have a moment, I have someone here that would love your uh, undivided attention for a few moments. The undivided, I am not sure I can promise quite at this moment, but your attention I could very much use. Captain, my attention for you is always undivided. Uh, let me know where you would like me to meet you. Rendezvous with me at Holodeck 3, please. Yes, of course. All right, sell out. I, I, do I, have a... I know the Jem'Hadar is perfectly impassive. Nonetheless, I look up to him with a sort of like, this day, am I right? Kind of expression. And then the he looks. Back. He looks down at you and says, Captain, I should return to the Founder. If the Founder orders me to report to her anything that I have heard and seen, I will be obligated to do so. Beyond, of course, what we've already discussed. I can't jeopardize the mission that's been presented to me by Founder Odo, but outside that framework, I still follow the will of the Founders. Understood. With operational security intact, it is, in fact, best to keep up all appearances and make her aware of the plans that 
we've begun to make uh, both her and Captain and Commander Prawl and to send the second to join Nadran for his house arrest understood thank you very much without saying anything turns on heel and the security gives you the nod as they follow this Jim'Hadar first down the corridor towards the Vortis quarters. I do tap the uh, the security officer and just very, just very quickly just tell them to have enough numbers to take down one Jem'Hadar on that house arrest team with like, feel free to do overkill because sure, favorable numbers will get the job done, but really overwhelming numbers will get them without casualties to our people. Yeah. Okay. Feel free to like call upon what would make Commander Prawl happy or at least keep him and his incipient ulcer out of sick bay. So essentially the same mindset of if we have to beam a Borg in front of the ship and shoot it with the ship, the, the, the phasers, then we will. You have to use the full <laughs> ship phaser sometimes. Yeah. And now I go to holodeck three. Okay. <laughs> So we'll cut to Holodeck 3 because there's a convergence taking place with the captain, Lakat, um, with Olin, with everybody just converging on Holodeck 3. And it all kind of comes to pass as everybody steps in, the doors open to your Holodeck tech and um, pretty much everyone steps into the room. A lot of them looking at each other kind of like, oh, you're here too. Kind of like this mentality of like everyone's gathered. It seems that Captain Sola has called in the troops. And everyone and I'm, gathers. I'm gonna turn to Sprack and go, maybe it's best you wait outside for right now. Sprack stops and goes, what's uh, going on there, y'all? Need a Ferengi point of view, cause I've got sharp eyes, sharp ears. Yes, I have both of those things as well. Thank you. Please wait outside the holodeck. All right. Hello, Sprack. Oh, Ambash! The doors close. <laughs> Sol puts on an apron nearby. They know how this works. Okay. And uh, and as everybody's sort of assembling, Tech walks from around the shelf and says, well, I'm glad that so many of you are here to assist me, but we do have a secret weapon. Computer, activate Tech Assistant Program. And a hologram appears, and you see Dr. Andrea Redgrave. And... Um, she appears with the same sort of apron that the captain has okay. just put on that Tech is now putting on as well. Okay. She's standing completely stiff, like she hasn't been activated yet. A hologram that's loaded and ready to go. I feel so replaced. Computer apron? <laughs> apron appears before you fold it up on the table. How did the, the calls go, Ambassador? Uh, that's the thing. I believe that we were, I was on the verge of perhaps getting some help for you, and then uh, we got a little interrupted. By, How so? My best guess is, well, I mean, I can't really know for certain. I Tell me what happened, what you saw. You and Olin describes how the call ended to the captain. Okay. then we, our first order of business with that will be to find out whether it was jammed on his end 
more on ours. Could well have been that cloaked ship or anything else. Uh, debrief the chief on what you know. I'll get in touch with Prof, and I'll just step away real quick to take care of that. Okay. So everything else gets filled in. All right. So we'll do that in a second. What do you say? What do you? You have the floor now, Chief. Oh, we're, we're going to get started. So what we're going to do is associate teams into research and development. So we're going to look at what the uh, Federation had developed up until that point, what wasn't working, and we're going to create a model and then improve upon that until we get any sort of blueprint otherwise. I'm just going to assume everyone lets me in on what is going on, because McCarl has no idea what happened. You might be the, the linchpin in figuring out exactly how we can get this to work without hurting anyone. Yes, I would uh, I would definitely like to be an assistance in that. So, I mean, all I can do at this point is hope and wait for my- Well, actually, we're gonna, I would love to use your connections as an ambassador to get into some files that we might not otherwise have access to. You have unlimited research potential that could really come in handy. I do my very best. And Lacat, I think that you'd be able to help them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about imprisoning a changeling. We're going to make this happen. Oh, we're going to make this happen. I'm glad to hear that. I guess then I am at least assisting you on the engineering side. If you still have time, Captain. Uh, actually, Captain, you're getting news right now because you went to you went to check up. Yeah, on... that was just a quick do that. I don't like it's not necessarily my emergency right now. It's a please. So what did you do? Out of uh, Basically, just uh, Prawl, the ambassador, experienced a communications jam mid-call. We don't know whether that was from our end or uh, theirs. Please investigate. Okay, cool. Just just sticking a pin in that so it's taken care of gotcha. in the background okay, while so we focus gonna... on this. Okay, so you're telling Prawl to de delegate some kind of, find out what the hell went on. Delegate right, that go staff. through, okay. but this is a communication security issue, so see, he seems like the point for that. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, but we are currently focused on collaborative experimental tech. Okay. Not We're and not experimenting on you, I promise. Thank you. Uh, we're missing one more person. Um, Chief Tech to Chief Singh. Oh, Chief Singh here. Yes, Chief, what can I do for you? Chief Singh, I have a special project for you to work on with Dr. McCrell. It's uh, in a matter of an emergency. We may be able to combine some beaming technology with um, something. I don't know. Get in here. Bring the kit. That sounds about right. I'll be there. We're, uh, uh, momentarily. Uh, you're holodeck three? Yeah, yeah. See you in a moment. Yes, it's a, it's a party. Come join. It's a party? We have a lot of people here. Should if I bring my party. kit? Bring the kit. Very good. I'll be there in a moment. If it's a party. Uh, and I think one of the things that Olin is going to do as we are working through this and assisting with research, they are also going to be on snack duty, making sure people have fuel for their brains. That's okay. what Olin is going to do. Okay. Snacks. I'm in charge of snacks. <laughs> I'm the project manager, friends. Just like take care of like your, your crew. Love it. So good. And I, I keep making sure to, that uh, that uh, tech gets first pick of everything that comes out. <laughs> what are you doing with um, the hologram of Dr. Redgrave? 
yeah, that is what we're loading up with the the research and we're trying out the different, um, when things need to be constructed, they're gonna be constructed by this hologram uh, with the expertise of Dr. Uh, Redgrave. If uh, Redgrave's on fabrication, we're on uh, engineering. Uh, McCrell and LeCat are on uh, research and developing the blueprints that we work from. Okay, awesome. so really, for the first time, we're all working together on a thing. All of you start essentially working with tech and LeCat to piece together this tech that you have gotten, this 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 piece of technology from the Dominion War. This idea of technology. Yeah, <laughs> and it's already getting kind of late. So as, as it starts to stretch into the night, um, something, something starts to happen. Specifically, something starts to happen to you, Chief Tech, because as the minutes stretch into an hour and then an hour and a half, things like an occasional laugh and the sound of questions and pass me this and questions, and then activating a holographic board and walking people through it and talking to the hologram of Dr. Redgrave and associating and cracking jokes and every now and then you and the familiarity of McCrell is apparent in front of the crew. Like something begins to happen. Something that hasn't happened since Space Dock, really. Tech, you catch yourself enjoying your work. You catch yourself. My family. You catch yourself in a moment where the technology matters and you're doing something. You're making a difference and you've got people who know you and care about you, you've got your back. And for a moment, there are no uniforms in the room. It's just a bunch of people that care about you. There's no rank. All of you working together, senior staff in Holodeck 3, coming up with ideas, pitching crazy thoughts. All of you focused on the task at hand, caught in this web of intrigue, but now you have the upper hand with the mind of the command staff, the brilliance of the engineering team, the cleverness and smooth talking of the diplomatic corps, the drive and razor-like focus of LeCat, and the casual brilliance of McCrell as all of y'all are working together. The hours fall away from all of you and you kind of stop noticing how late you're working into the night as you are all chipping away. Exio reports that she has made sure that the changeling has been given quarters for the night and put under guard, which she has happily accepted. Um, things are all quiet down on the planet below. And as things are moving forward well into the night, as all of you begin to put together this piece of technology, as the midnight oil starts getting burned, the doors of the holodeck open and Prawl steps in. The one person that was missing is Vryn and Prawl. I should say the two people that are missing. Um, Prawl steps into the holodeck, and Captain, with a smile on your face after you done after you done after you're done finishing um, making a, a snide comment to Tech about the taste of Targ, you glance over, and the expression on Prawl's face is a splash of cold water. No one else sees it but you, Captain. 
and he waits for you to come to him to the door. As your crew is talking amongst each other and enjoying each other's company and testing out new ideas. And as you approach him, he leans forward, Captain, and says, the transmission was definitely jammed, Captain, and it's coming from our location. And it wasn't planet side. It was the ship. We, we have, he nods and says, Captain, I'll bet my spots there is a cloaked ship out there that's been following us for months now. And whatever or whoever they are, they did not want Ambassador Majanil talking to the Romulan ambassador. They've showed themselves and they've showed their hand. We learned from this and now we're going to get them. Captain, they did show themselves and I think they know that. I think there's a third player that's gonna try to take advantage of the situation the moment they have an opportunity. Well, you and Commander Rexio and Lieutenant Friend will have to make sure that they can't. I will die before I let anything happen to this crew, Captain. I promise you that. But please, Commander, live for this crew. Aye, Captain. Now, get me that Molly Cirque wrench. Honestly. (laughs) And you move back and rejoin the group as the lot of you begin to complete the work. The last, you glance over your shoulder, seeing the silhouette of Prawl exiting, the determination in his voice. And as the doors close behind him, there's just a little piece of Prawl that reminds you of that Jim Hadar soldier. That is where we're going to pause this episode for tonight. And Sprack is still waiting outside the holiday. <laughs> yeah, Sprack is watching this girl walk past him going, are they done in there? Are they okay? Well, bye. Let's, I don't have quarters. Am I supposed to just sleep out here? Okay. Best Fine. post credits. Fine. Uh, poor Sprack. I feel oopsie Um. I think I can say definitively. Point, one of us would have done something about that when we realized how late it was. We're not I that would. considerate. Actually, I, I would have That's what an XO is for. She's a details gram. She's if got if the changeling got quarters, Sprat got quarters. I'm I'm sure that's fine. Um, well, he just hasn't figured out that he has them yet. Yeah, it? exactly. So I think I can say definitively that the next episode of Clear Skies will be the final episode. Because at this point, we are set up for a confrontation. It's all going down. Set up for extended tasks next week as well. There will be an extended Mm -hmm. task next week, yes, to reflect the work that everybody did and all of you will be rolling for that extended task. I'm not really all that concerned. I think you're gonna do fine. You guys, I have to say, before we, before we, before we, oh, before we, before we close out this, this episode, um, cause so next week will be the final episode of this chapter. So, cause 
yeah, let me, <laughs> you get it? Is that what you're saying? You're muted, I can't hear you. Oh, just like, really, really the last one. Genuinely, yeah. absolutely so, the last. I know this we've been ep- saying that the episode episodes, is, but this one. The, how many parts does this episode have now? This episode's had six parts now. Uh, you had my to- count was uh, 93? Is that right, Forever? Yeah, 93, <laughs> 93. It was 93. There have been, been 93 parts of episodes we've home. had. Yeah. Eric, you had to wait till I came back, and now you had to wait till Gina and and Rave came back. And now yeah. we have the whole band back together. <laughs> so we'll see, but it looks like that's going to be the next one. Um, so I, I I'm I'm looking forward to this because uh, everything has finally come to a head. So next week will be part seven, I believe, of Farther from Home, and we'll see, we'll see what happens then. Um, it's going to be an interesting episode too because that's going to be the episode it's going to happen directly after our fundraiser which is on sunday so um uh definitely stay tuned for more information as it gets released on the twitter we're going to have some more announcements coming out tomorrow um is, is that right aki didn't we we had some more announcements coming tomorrow is that correct more information rather um i have a couple of things to confirm on my end but i think i can uh, pretty soon tell people what's actually going on for that final segment but i don't sure. i don't want to yeah Uh, Tomorrow, all of the information that we gave you tonight will be out on the socials uh, that one could boost, theoretically. And let the community know, because uh, y'all are our megaphones. Yeah, and y'all would be surprised if, how many, y'all, Ox Crew, y'all would be shocked at how many times a week I get a message going, wait, the Clear Skies group is doing a new show? (laughs) We don't have- Let the Bob Squad know. Let yeah. everybody who didn't hear tonight hear the good news. Yes. Fundra- fundraiser good this Sunday. That's a fundraiser. I'm here for it. <laughs> I knew you'd find it. And um, if you have the pun alert emote, yeah. this is now the time to use it because that is now live uh, and available <laughs> if you subscribe to Sam DeLev at Tricop, uh, at DeLevely at Twitch. <laughs> Just so. <laughs> um, as we close up tonight, I just wanted to thank you all again. This is a really good RP night, so thank you so much for this episode. We can't wait to have Rave and Gina back next Monday. Um, thank you all so much for joining us for tonight's chapter in Farther From Home on Clear Skies. Um, we will see you next Monday. We will certainly see you on Sunday for a big, juicy bit of RP and some fun times. Um, thank you so much for all of your support for making this possible. The stream punks exist because of you all. It would not be possible. Our continued fellowship and bonding and, and running these games, it, I, I can't guarantee it would have been possible if we hadn't had the help and support of this community. You've really shown that it that Asgard is not a place, it is a people. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And we're looking forward to all the stories we have yet to tell all because of you guys. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time on Clear Skies. Until then, hailing frequencies are closed.